And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100% And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John McCarthy. All right, it is May 9th. It is another day of sunshine, happiness. We've got Josh the Punk Thompson podcast, Dave on the controls. I am so happy to be here because it's another edition of the Weighing In podcast. We have got a ton to talk about. We've got the PFL, and it's a it's a little bit of controversy. We've got the UFC to talk about. There were a couple of good fights in there, and we've got a whole lot to talk about with Bellator. We've got Canelo against Saunders. So many different combat sports were taking place. How are you feeling there, Josh? I know you went to Texas real quick. You're back home. You're just a flying monster. Oh, it's killing me. But before we get started, I want to wish all of the mothers a happy Mother's Day. And all of you. True, true. Happy Mother's Day to all of them. All of them. I hope you guys have a wonderful day. And it's everything you guys wish for. Blessed and relaxed, maybe, if you guys want. Or just just time with the family. I want to wish you all a very happy Mother's Day. Or just get away from the family. Yeah, that's that's (laughs) Relax. That's the the relaxed part. Um, it It was a big it was a big weekend. You know, um, I, we can get into a bunch of stuff, but I guess let's, uh, let's, uh, well, before we get into everything, I got to make sure we talk about our subscription. You guys, we need you guys to subscribe to our podcast. Now, I know a lot of people have reached out into our comment section and they have actually subscribed to our audio platforms. And that's the big thing we're trying to get built up as well. So go to our iTunes, Google Play, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, all of those platforms. Hit the subscribe button, please. And I uh, want to thank you guys. I, I got some private DMs also. People sliding in my DMs. You know, it was pretty cool. They were sliding in there saying, hey, man, I hit the audio as well. So uh, I didn't even realize you guys were on there. And so I'm glad that I was. we were able to let you guys know we've been on there for a while. But let's go ahead and hit those subscribe buttons across the board. Also hit the little bell and the subscribe button on YouTube as well. But uh, the bell helps let you know, like, this podcast is going to drop probably an hour or two later than it normally would, only because I was traveling a lot yesterday. So was John, but I actually had to go to a different state real quick. But I'm back, and here we are, and uh, let's get into it, buddy. Oh, let's talk about the PFL, the Professional Fighters League, and that was a uh, special main event they had. There was two, two winners and two losers, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it was not good. It was not good. What did you think about that whole situation? Um, it's the old rule: don't stop until the ref pulls you off. And you try, you know, and you talk about people and what they, you know, they're always complaining. Why did he hit him? There's certain things you have to have in MMA when you're the referee, and you go in the back and you talk about, hey, I need you to protect yourself at all times, obey my commands. When I tell you to stop, I want you to stop all offensive actions, but always defend yourself. If you feel a tap. And you're not sure, I want you to hold it until I tell you to stop. You go until I tell you to stop. Once I tell you to stop, stop everything. Do you understand? Yes. And this is why. And this is why when people get upset when a guy goes after someone, when they haven't been, you know, the referee hasn't come in, they don't hear stop. This is why is because we've had this too many times where you get this situation. That's a tap. No matter what anyone wants to say. And it doesn't matter if they go, well, he didn't mean to. No. We've seen it. Too many times, Chael Sonnen, when he fought Anderson Silva, if you recall, the first time, beating the piss out of Anderson that entire fight, gets to the fifth and final round, gets caught in a triangle, and he does this kind of light tap on Anderson. Mm-hmm. And you know, at the time, it was Josh Rosenthal was the referee, and he calls it like he should have. It was a perfect call. And Chael actually said, I didn't tap. 
<laughs> yes, you did. Yes. Okay. Absolutely did. I got caught by something like that with Matt Linlin against Bustamani early on in my career, and it was like, I will never let that happen again. And we've had situations where, you know, there's been that whole thing. C.B. Dalloway fought, uh, what was it, Sadala. And it was, I think it was for the finals of the uh, Ultimate Fighter at the time. I'm not sure if that was that, that fight, but he did a tap like that. and said, oh, I didn't tap. Yes, you did. Fedor, when he fought Fabricio Verdun, caught in a triangle, does what I called the man tap. You know, one, wham, just one tap. People are like, he didn't tap three times. You're not, you don't have to tap three times. It's not the WWE, Dave. It's freaking <laughs> MMA. And one tap signifies it's over. And what the, the real problem here is, and this a lot of people are going to say, well, Fabricio really didn't let go. Well, he really didn't, but he did at least release pressure. And that release of pressure, as you know, mm-hmm. allows someone to survive. Now they get another you know, couple seconds that maybe they can do something with it, and that's what happened. This right here, when he tapped, that fight was over. Now, Keith Peterson, I can't blame Keith. He doesn't see it. He's standing on the right side of where he should be. Look at where the head of the opponent is, and sometimes your eyes, instead of seeing what we call the macro, seeing everything, you are focusing in on that micro, and you're you're basically looking towards the head area, and looking towards the guy's eyes and stuff, and you don't see that tap. And so this is what can happen in the fight. I feel bad for for Fabricio because, you know, he took shots he didn't have to take. He's had those type of fights before, you know, where something happens and it's, you know, that fight should end. Instead, he's continuing on. So it's it's not a good situation. We'll see what the New Jersey State Athletic Commission does with it because the truth is it should at least go to a no contest. I was the just guy tapped. That. I was just going to ask you that. It's very evident that he tapped. It's obvious that it should have no problem. But I got to just tell you, John, I have no fucking faith whatsoever in commissions. <laughs> so when it comes to this type of stuff, absolutely, I don't believe. I don't believe that it'll happen until it happens. Um, but this is that that old rule. Like, hey, you have to keep going until the ref stops. Yep. Like you said, people are going to say, "Well, he, he didn't look like he let up." No, no, but he relaxed the legs enough. The fight was going to be done. Probably thought the guy was about to go out. Fabricio's a nice guy. He's a super nice guy. He gets a lot of flack, you know, because he does sometimes get a little mouthy. But a lot of fighters do. We all, like, me, I think I got my nickname. You know, that's why you guys are all here listening to us right now, because I just love to give John a hard time and podcast it. But, uh, you know, it's fun. But, uh, you know, he's one of those guys that he, he is a nice guy. And so I think when that happened, he decided to let up and and it cost him. It's, it, I can't even like. Chael is famous for this, by the way. <laughs> Remember, uh, what Paul Filio was it? The guy he fought in Paul Filio. Yeah, he's caught in the arm bars. That was Josh Rosenthal too. He screamed. Yeah, yeah, and then it's <laughs> so. Oh, I didn't tell. I didn't. Yeah, and I remember the Matt Linlin Bustamante one. I remember that one. There was a couple others though that were pretty popular. I I looked at the Fedor one as one as well. Like he just, it was just like, hey, tap, and it was done. But yep. Fedor's not that type of person to say he didn't do it. That's right. You know, so, but it was, it was an overall, Fabricio I thought was looking good up until that moment, you know, um, dominant control position, like he just, but the, I guess the, the issue is though, is that like, I wanted to know if the commission would overturn it. Is this something the commission will look at though and be like, hey, you can see it, it's a tap and should be like you said, a no contest. Well, and I, I can tell you this, I've seen it so many times. In fact, I'm reviewing one right now where a guy in a place, you know, he, he yells tap, 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 tap. 
and the guy releases from the arm bar and the guy that you know yelled tap just continues on in the fight and the referee lets it go <sighs> and and well and what happens is you know and this is where people don't get it as the fighter psychologically you just lost you're screwed because you feel like now all of a sudden whoa, whoa I, he tapped and and you're not thinking of fighting now you're thinking of trying to explain hey what hey the, something's wrong here this is not good and your mentality just goes right out the window. And every time I see them lose, yeah. every time, yeah. because they're they're just that whole you know men- mentality of I'm fighting and I'm focused on that now changes to, hey, I'm being cheated, and they are, and it's it's unfortunate, but yeah, we will see what happens with it. Uh, Kayla Harrison. You know, like I said, the biggest problem with Kayla, she's a dynamite you know athlete. She's special, but. They don't have anybody for her to fight. You know, let's be honest. Mariah's just not even in her her league. Mariah is not going to be in uh, the upper echelon of anyone's divisions as a uh, fighter right now. And so, when you have your very best fighter going against people that you know, just are not of her skill level or her abilities or even close, you got mismatches. And that's why, you know, what she win? You know, one twenty three. You know, the first round. You know. Yeah. It's just they're going to have to do something there because, you know, if you, I, I guess it's, it's great for Kayla. She's getting paid. She's going to get her, you know, her million dollars as long as she continues to train and she's doing things the right way. But I know that, you know, someone like her, she wants the competition. She wants to prove she how good she is. Does she? What? Yeah, she does. does. she? Yeah, she does. I get it. I get Anybody it. that went to the Olympics and won two Olympic gold medals. I get right? that. She wants the competition. I get that part of it all, and I understand that part of it all. But if she really wanted a little bit tougher of competition, she'd stay at forty-five. Yeah, I mean, and I'm not saying there's anyone there that's going to beat her either. No, not, not, that not the PFL. Sign, not that they can sign in the PFL, but I'm saying at least there's a little bit more. There's more fights to be had, and people that will recognize the names. I think a little bit more, you yeah. know, that because there's going to be women at one forty-five that can that you've seen fight on the circuit a lot more at one forty-five. Versus like just scrounging maybe potential 145ers that just have to go up to 55 for this. Right. So that's my point. Yeah. Like, does she really? That's the thing. Does she and, really? You know, and I think, I think, I don't think she's opposed to it. I think that they just got to put, as a promotion, they got to put a little pressure on them, on her. You know, and D- Dana does it all the time. I think even Coker's done it a couple times. Like, hey, you know, if you want to be competitive, you've got to be at this at this weight class, you know, and I'd like to see you stay there for a little bit and let's see what happens. You know, I mean, I've, I've seen them. I've seen both promoters do something like that. Like not and Dana sometimes not let not allowing a fighter to go down. Remember or go up or whatever it was. Remember Frankie? Yeah. You know, he was like, look, if you lose this fight, you're going to 45. He pushed him to 45. Yeah. You know, and it was like, okay, Frankie's like, all right, whatever. Okay, I'll go. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, Frankie's, Frankie's not that guy that's gonna sit there and argue about it. He's a he's a company no. guy. He's just a good okay. <laughs> I, I was just talking was I just talking to you yesterday about it? Uh, oh, Corey, I was talking to Corey Anderson. We were working, you know, and he's, I was just like, dude, he's one of the greatest guys, Frankie Edgar, I think I've ever met in my life, you know, and uh, just a, an outstanding person. Yep. Um, okay, uh, let's get into the UFC, man. I think because we're going to talk about the UFC next. I thought I thought the Bellator card was better than the UFCs this week, hands down. And so I think we're going to, we'll talk about the UFC card. But now uh, we'll hear stuff because we said that. Oh, uh, whatever. People, in the, I think if you guys are at home, you guys watch Bellator, you guys know what we're talking about. Um, so we'll take, we'll finish with the with the better card at the end of the thing. So, anyways, the UFC card. Don't get me wrong, it wasn't bad. 
you know um i want able to see the whole thing no i watched from phil halls and kyle Dawkins the flights okay you know <laughs> um, but i i was able to get some some uh so weird. I was able to get some internet service on the plane, but sometimes it got choppy. But the Phil Daw, the Full Haas fight and the Dawkins fight, I saw. I saw the Gregor Gillespie fight. Um, I saw the uh, I saw the other one. Uh, I, I think I has got the longest name in the world, Marcos Rogerio de Lima. But they also <laughs> threw in his nickname in the middle of there, and I was like, "Jeez, yeah. man, it was so damn long." When they, I was listening to Buffer do the announcement, I was like, "Good heavens, what's this, Good. What's this guy's name gonna finish?" <laughs> uh, <laughs> Neil Magny and uh, Jeff Neal, that kind of got me a little confused too while they were fighting because it was Neil Magny and Jeff Neal. And just like, and they kept saying Neil, and I was like, okay, which one are you talking about? But then Which real- Neil are you talking about here, man? Yeah, so it was funny. Uh, all right, well, let's get into uh, Phil Haas. Phil Haas looked good, except for the, you know, he got woken up by Kyle Dawkins and that. He got hit and he got hurt, no doubt about it. But I was really impressed the way in his last couple of fights because we've seen Phil earlier in his career where he gets hit and things start to fall apart. He starts to really just implode and he's not doing that anymore. He's got a lot more confidence. He's in that position now where it's okay. I'm going to get hit. My opponent's going to have their moments and I just need to regroup, do the right things to get myself back and then come at him. And and he did. And I thought, you know, you take a look, the body attack that he threw at Kyle Dawkins was the difference maker in that fight. It changed the complexion of the fight and that's that's how he started to take over you know a, a fight that Dacus was doing very well in and the the body shots just slowed him down yeah yeah i had Dacus. Uh, i had doc i had the fight being 29 28 i think one of the judges had a yeah. 27 for yeah haas. i, didn't agree with I thought it was 29 28 where where haas got rocked and almost yep. like, he was like on stilts I yep. uh, gave that round to Kyle Dawkins, even though Haas started to come back towards the end. I don't think it was enough. Not enough. Yeah, it wasn't enough to steal the round. But um, I thought Phil Haas, to be honest, I was expecting, I think it was his last fight where he just hung out against the cage, had a kind of a shitty performance. It wasn't a great fight. I believe he just kept getting to the clinch and just hanging out and holding on. And it was one of those fights where, can you click on him? I'm trying to think if it was his last fight. <clears throat> he caught a lot of flack for it, though. Oh, Emma Voff, I believe it was that fight. Yeah, but it, was, it wasn't it was a great fight, and everyone was expecting more out of him. But this fight was perfect. Honestly, it was a great fight. Had some good exchanges on the feet. He, I thought he was going to get tired. Did, didn't look tired at all. Was He looked actually more fresh than Dawkins did. Yep. I thought he did a lot of great things. His takedowns are, are were pretty damn good. Um, control was pretty good when he did get to the top position. I liked what Dawkins was doing as well, but I think he – I think um, – he wasted a lot of energy trying to get the takedowns or trying to like engage in those. And he just, he wasn't able to get anything. If you didn't get it, just come back up to the feet and start striking again. He hung out sometimes on the legs a lot against the fence. Instead of doing that, get back up to the clinch and do some work there. I think Haas is a, is a lot stronger than we're giving him credit for. So in those, in those clinching areas there, I thought, um, I thought that's what kind of helps tired out, um, Dawkins. But overall, I thought it was a great fight. When I, I was, I was, was kind of like, uh, trying to watch this fight or not. You know what I mean? I was like, trying to, I had to go back through all the, uh, all the the older clips because I was missing it. So, I went back through and watched that fight, and it was good. I thought yeah. it was a good fight. Had a lot of ups and downs in it. In it. It, it well, in my opinion, that's that's the kind of wins that Phil Haas now needs, mm-hmm. based upon. Dawkins is a good fighter. He's tough. You know, he, a lot of people look at him, they go, oh, he looks. Little, I, I honestly think he should have the nickname Doofus. 
Well, and I'm not saying I was I, with the utmost respect. He's got a little bit of a funky body. You know, he's, he doesn't look like a fighter. And so, man, it's Kyle Doofus Dacus. You just got beat by Doofus, man. That's awesome. I, mean, I, I think he's great. Yeah, I know. It's not a nice, but he's great. He's a good fighter. And his, his brother, Chris, he's a tough dude, too. And he's kind of built the same way. It's just, you know, their genetics and the way they are. You look at Haas. Haas is built like a Greek god. And then you look at Dacus and you go, how can that guy stay with him? But he's a tough dude. He's a good yeah. fighter. Good stuff. I mean, the fight of the night, obviously, was Greg Gillespie and uh, Diego Ferreira. Oh! Fight of the like, night. You talk about two ferrets fighting over a freaking walnut, man. They were going crazy, that. It was absolutely phenomenal to watch, John. I'm watching this fight. I'm going, holy shit. This is just next-level type transitions. And a lot of it, though, too, was Diego was doing a great job at attacking in all positions and making Gregor defend. Yes. And then when he and he was actually utilizing a lot of good stuff to get himself back on top. And then Gregor just put himself in uncomfortable positions to get out and not settling in a position to let to let Diego get to a dominant position. Every single time. There was one moment, I think at the end of the first, where he was mounted. And I'm like, and he and, and Gregor just looked lost. Like he didn't know how to get out of the mount. But all because all the other transitions before that, though, were so impressive. I was the fight was absolutely phenomenal. It was so good to watch. There was the one simplest part of that fight was they were both Gregor had a wizard and he's on that wizard, but Diego is actually above him on it and they're stuck fa both face down into the mat. And it's the simplest position, but you could tell the pressure that was applied on both of them. Yeah. And they're trying to work their way out. And I'm just, I'm, and I'm sitting there, I'm fascinated by it. I'm going, all right, this is what you got to do, but that's going to hurt you. your shoulders. Got so much pressure on it. That's going to be a mother. You got to do something. Someone's got to do something. And I'm just looking at it just the way they got out of everything. And the amount of energy that they put out in that fight was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I think Gregor had the Gregor had the underhook. <clears throat> Might have had the underhook. And Diego yeah, had, the, had the wizard. Arm out because yeah. Diego had the wizard is what I was thinking as when I was watching it. And yeah. um, Diego had enough pressure on Gregor for him to not be able to limp arm out and get to the back. And then Diego couldn't circle to the back and get lower on the under on the on the wizard. So it was like, yeah, I agree with you. I was thinking like one. I was like, man, I'll give me just limp arm out. Get out of there. Yeah. <laughs> the two of them were stuck crossing each other out. You know, and uh <clears throat> Diego's hips were up pretty high, so he was able to have a little bit more hip pressure into him. Yep. It was there were some great transitions. There was a lot of great transitions. I want to say Diego had hit the Kimura, rolled Gregor all the way through. Almost got to the back. Then Gregor like went to step over the body, and then Diego caught the body with his feet, and then pulled him back into into the, the back position. It was just awesome. And then that's how I think how the round started to end was Gregor or Diego like yeah. the Kimura, and and Diego ended up on his back, and then end up in mount, and then end up the round that way. And I was like, yeah. oh man. And then I did notice that Gregor got up all kind of his legs were all he was hurting, and he was just exhausted. But man, he recovered really fast. And Which tells you what kind he, of shape he was in. He's in phenomenal shape. That's the thing. I want people to. I want people have to understand. Just because you're tired, doesn't mean that you can't go on. You just you got to. If you're in good shape, these guys recover in that 25 to 35 seconds. I remember a while back we did a show, and I had told people what my conditioning routine was. You know, and people were like, "Oh my god!" You know, and I said like the, the real the reality of cardio when you do your sprints, you do your long distance running. It's about shortening the length of your recovery while you train. So when I start yeah. off for eight weeks, I do four to six, eight, you know, 440 sprints, you know, full lap sprints. 
and my break is like double however long my time was. So if I sprint the full lap and say a minute 10 or a minute 05, minute five, I double it so it's 2.10 is what my rest time is. But that's eight weeks out. And then by the time I get to six weeks, I'm down to like a minute 30. I, I basically only do it like say 30, you know, uh, what, 70%, you know, of recovery. So then I give myself a little bit shorter of a duration, not double the time anymore. And then by four weeks, I should be at basically like however long my sprint is, that should be my recovery time. So if it's a minute 10, I get a minute 10 recovery. And then by the time I get to two weeks, I should be at the 30 to 45 second range, you know, for your recovery. And you're doing it again. And then as you do it, you want to go up to about eight sprints. So you're increasing the amount of sprints you're doing as well. So you're shortening the length of recovery and in including and increasing a couple more sprints in there. So... I mean, he looked like he looked phenomenal. He looked good as he came out into round two, and he just did some work. That wrestling, that pet. I mean, his transitions are amazing. Yeah, He's got to start wrestling. moving his head, though, John. <laughs> yeah. his head. He Can't ask strike, everything from him. And he leaves his head right there in the middle every single time. And when the guys throw strikes, he doesn't change level. He doesn't slip his head offline to you know to close the distance. He's got to, his coach needs to work with him on. Every and I and I I'm not trying to like intrude, but his coach needs to work on him. Every time someone throws something at him, a pad or something, like if he's throwing his mitts at him, he needs to move his head offline and close the distance for the takedown. Or he needs to learn to throw as he slips. He doesn't have that right now. He has this. He just moves his head if he moves it at all. Okay, and he comes right back to the same spot. So if he misses the first one, he comes back. The second one lands. You can only move your head so many times. You got to move it and get closer. Move it and get closer. Otherwise, there or move it in circle. You know, um, otherwise the punches can land clean because you're bringing your head always back to the same spot, which is right in front of their fist. So it was, but he, I, I got to tell you, I wasn't sure he was going to recover from the Kevin Lee fight. Yeah. I wasn't sure. And he even said that. And he was almost in tears after we listened to the interview. He was almost in tears. And I was like thinking to myself, dude, you, I was a fan before, but this fight has me like just on the edge now. I can't wait to watch you fight again. Someone sent me a message saying, hey, what do you think about Islam and him? And I'm like, no, because he won't be able to take Islam down. He's not a big guy. That's the thing. Gregor, like he looks, he's not a big guy. Islam's a huge guy. And Islam may, Islam's going to stuff his takedowns, you know, two or three of those. And he's, and Islam's really good on the ground. And I know everyone's going to say I'm a homer. No, I'm not. I'm not being a homer. I just, from what I saw last night, do I think Gregor, it should be up there in those top guys, absolutely. But is he? Can I, do I think he can beat Islam? No, I don't think he can. Well, there, there's a couple things that, you know when you talk about his conditioning and stuff, and then you talked about what you you would go through. So I would just, I would do a four minute four forty because that way I had four minutes to recover from my my very long four minute four forty. <laughs> That's why I was in the condition that I was. In. <laughs> That's uh, called. That's called mental weakness, dude. Yeah. No, there's right. nothing mental. You you played water polo in college, I believe, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot of swimming, John. There's no mental weakness in playing water uh, no. But, uh, you know, it's funny because you do watch these guys and you see that recovery, and it's amazing because it is the the I, I don't care how what condition you're in, you're going to get tired. Yeah. The reason you're getting into condition is so you can recover from being tired and you can recover faster than your opponent, which means you have energy to put out when they don't. And uh, Gregor really showed something because he showed how much energy he had put out in that first round. He was tired and he was hurt, and he came back in that second round, and you never would have known that guy that you watched walking back kind of stumbling because his legs and everything were shot. He was exhausted, mm. and 
Very impressive. Very impressive. And I, every time I see, you know, someone in, and they're in the cage and they're they're working hard and you see them, they take that step back and they go, <sighs> and then all of a sudden they're coming forward. You go, man, one damn breath and you're back feeling better. It's like incredible. It's uh, one of the things. It's one of the things about MMA and the and the athletes that we have that just amazes me. Uh, Frank Shamrock. That was one of the lessons that I learned from him. You know, and um, was that he said you don't realize you're tired until you stop moving. So just keep moving for the whole round. He's like, you'll you'll figure it out between rounds. And at least <laughs> you have a whole minute to recover. That was his whole mo. It's like I just I'll keep moving and keep moving. He's like, because every time I stop, he's like, I get exhausted. I feel exhausted. I, my mind starts playing tricks on me. Like you're tired. Sure, you're tired. He's like, but I can get through it. And so he just said, don't stop moving. Don't stop moving until you're in a dominant position. If you stop moving, then that's when someone sets their weight on you and then you got to carry their weight and, you know, and then you get more tired. He's like, no, don't stop moving until you're in a dominant position. Once you're in a dominant position, make them carry your weight and then you can get your breath and hold on for a sec. He's like, just remember, they're always just as tired as you. You know, they're just as tired as you. It's just a matter of you pushing through and keep moving. And it's true. You don't realize how how fatigued your arms and your legs and everything are until the, you hear the clack clack, and then like the, and then it's like then the horn, the horn goes off and you go to get up. You're like, holy shit, I'm tired. <laughs> oh man! But that was hands down. That was the fight of the night. Hands down, great fight. And uh, I want to give my tip my hat to Greg Gillespie, man. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, Lima, I'm just gonna call him Delima, Delima and Green. Yeah. Not really much to talk about. Green just didn't underperformed. No no concept of how to get up to his feet. I think the, I yeah, I'm being honest, I think Delima underperformed. Yeah. He ha- he has a guy in a lot of positions where he can go after him and he can do more and he's not. He is in a lot of ways it's, he's telling himself and he was right. I'm just better on the ground than you. I can control you and I can get a win here. This is what I'm going to do. You know, got to figure his last fight. I believe you know, he got choked unconscious in his last fight yeah and so uh coming off alexander and, and that was that you know just it was a uh, I want to say it was his forearm I, i'm not yeah. it's either shoulder pressure or forearm pressure he got choked unconscious so uh i don't blame him but this is the difference of people wanting to see you when you're going after it in the fight or you're just okay i'm gonna get a win and i'm just gonna play it safe he played it safe and it, and, and that's you got you got to give people more yeah, I understand that, but John coming off of a loss, he just yeah, to and I know that's that's kind of I think honestly, like everyone's just thinking if you're a fighter who's coming off of a loss, especially like a forearm choke, you're thinking to yourself, just let me get a win. That means I have another fight coming. If I get two losses, I might be gone. There's a lot of things that go through fighters' minds, and he, I mean, he took the safe route. He could have done a little bit more work on the ground in terms of trying to get him out of there, ground and pound. I wasn't looking for a submission from him to be honest. I was looking for more damage because yeah. he has some fucking heat. Yeah. He's got some heat. And I noticed in his uh, shirt dog picture, he's got strike force gloves on. <laughs> <laughs> he does. Oh, that's pretty funny. Where um, he came from. Yeah, Maurice Green, uh, he just needs to go back to the drawing board, man. He didn't look good at all. There wasn't one moment in the fight where I thought he looked good. Um, there was no answer. What are you doing holding the head? Every, scene, every time he got taken down, he was holding the head. Push the frame the face away. The length you have, bring your knee between you and him. Yeah, knee shield inside. There's all kinds of things to make space with your length, but you are doing things that actually make your length work against you. John, he had the underhook several times, and I saw him pull the underhook out to go back to hugging the head. I'm like, what are you doing? If you have the underhook, you're already winning half the battle. You've, you're already 
halfway there. All you do you're is a, you're a third of the way up. Yeah, you just gotta scoot your hips out. If you scoot your hips out and start elevating your underhook, you'll be to your knees in no time. He had no concept of what he was doing. None. So I mean, yeah, I wasn't impressed. Look, Neil Magny and Jeff Neal. Oh. Neil Magny's we've said it every single time we're on the show. Dude, let's give this guy somebody good. Give him, oh, give him someone good. What are you talking about? No, Jeff I, Neal's I, not good? I came out completely wrong, John. Okay. I just put my fucking foot in my mouth. Sorry. <laughs> Jeff Neal's a savage. I was Fuck uh, yes. savage. But I meant like, let's give him one of those top five guys. Let's give Neil. He deserves it. He deserves to be up in that in that conversation now. Let's get him up there. Neil Magny is, he's just a stud. But then he'll have that fight like he had against Kiesa where he just, you know, and, and you got to give it to Kiesa as he created that situation that he just made him look average, you know, yeah. Made a hard fight on him, controlled him, and uh, got a great win. But I love Neil Magny. He is, that's a guy he comes to fight. I love the pace that he puts on. You know, he's he's going to sit there and he's going to make you have to work hard. And, you know, Jeff Neal was throwing bombs at him at times, and he just, he'd give a little shoulder, you know, got hit a couple times, but, you know, gave some movement, came back, came right back with throwing, you know, good combinations, ending with kicks. He really did a, a very systematic breakdown uh, in the fight of Jeff Neal, of pushing him to a pace where Jeff was all of a sudden his arms retired, the heat was off it, they weren't coming near as much, and Neal just kept that pace coming and just kept touching him. Uh, it was a, it was a good, I think it was a great win. I, I thought that uh, Neal won the first round. It was close. I could see where I, you know the, the one the one judge gave it to Magny, but it's all right. Because Neil was coming on, I didn't think he closed it enough. But the second, third, I mean, it was clear the volume that Magny put out there. It wasn't even close. Yeah, yeah. The, I think the push kick was key. It kind of slowed uh, Jeff Neil down a little bit. That little toe kick in there kind of oh, yeah. slowed him down. It also kept the range. It kept Jeff Neil from jumping in because every time he jumped in, he jumped into the kick, and that shit hurts, man. It hurts. Not only does it hurt, it just takes the wind out of you as well if it's landed properly. And so Jeff Neal just had a hard time closing the distance and be able to land that straight left. He was having a hard time with that. So I gave Jeff Neal the first uh, the first round also. So I had it 29-28. But uh, Neal had a lot of output, a lot of good stuff. Um, a lot of firepower in the beginning. Yeah. Boy, he's, yeah. he's I tell you what, when he throws, he throws with a whole lot of velocity, man. He's definitely got power in his shots. Yeah. Uh, you look. You 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 had a lot of good things to say about Murano. Yeah, I told you. Thing. And you said like, oh, he's going to be a dog. He's going to get out there and go out there and fight and this and that. And I mean, I want to know how much of a change, how much of changing the opponent had a difference. I mean, obviously Diego is a lot different than Alex Murano when it comes yeah. to that. But but Diego is also someone that just comes forward and throws punches as well. And so Cowboy should have been prepared for that. It's just, it was. I wouldn't say it's the same. It's the same type of fight, but the opponent's a lot stronger. That's Not only is the opponent stronger, he's faster. Yeah. Look at Murano's faster than Diego right now by a lot. He's younger, and uh, he can accept damage better. Just everything in it, when you were taking a look at this fight coming in, you know, Murano is very similar to Diego as far as, you know, as a young fighter, a guy that comes forward, a guy that, you know, applies pressure. He's tough. He doesn't stop. He's got a good grappling game. Uh, he matches up very well with the young Diego. But he's better than the old Diego. Yeah. And uh, 
that's just that was the problem for cowboy I, I, god damn it I, I never want to say anything derogatory or bad about cowboy he is a fucking savage he has been a stud throughout his career but it's the speed difference he's mm-hmm. slowing down and i think that's where he's getting hit by shots now that he didn't get hit full force before he would slide a little bit out of it and he's getting hit by those shots now and they're having their effect man um it's here's the reason i've said this before about myself and i see i see it in other fighters that are getting older as well they throw and they know they're slowing down so what they do is they kind of grit down a little bit something knowing they're gonna get hit expecting to get hit and sometimes they do and sometimes they don't but that one second delay of gritting down then they go to move out and they get hit on the way out because the opponent's like oh this guy's still here shit i can hit him and so that happens as you get older and it's been and i can see it's happening to cowboy you know um I've seen it in a couple other guys. I'm, I won't say who their name, you know, their names, but I can see it from them. They throw and then they wait almost like as if to get hit, and then they pull out. And then when they're backing out, by then the, the opponent's able to land another shot or two. So instead of just getting in those exchanges, the other thing is you see the the punches are having a little bit more of an effect. Yeah, you know, as when you were younger, you could like I said, that was absorbed that better. Was one of the, that was one of the biggest tells for me in the gym, is I would get hit with sixteen ounce gloves, and I was like it hurt and it wasn't it wasn't like it was when i was younger it was like a, it was like a quick flash and then just walk through it and keep going you know getting hit by guys like koscheck and and fitch for years and then sparring with guys that are you know 145 and 155 and getting like feeling like stunned for a second you know almost like that stone you got stoned and then when you when you finally came to your opponent like you know whoever i was sparring with was over there now it, wasn't even <laughs> no. it was like it was like a flash but yeah, it wasn't a quick flash. It was like, boom, oh, shit, he's over there. Now, I'm seeing a little bit of that in Cowboy, yeah. you know? And it's scary. It's scary to think. It's Well, and you talked about it. We've talked about it. You know, when I had my gym, I was 52, and I would still spar with guys. And I, I was getting hit. I was sparring with one guy. And it was, you know, we were having fun, but, you know, I was helping him, and he was just lighting me up. And I was all of a sudden, I said, in my mind, I'm going, this fucking hurts. Yeah. And it's the only time I ever said that while sparring. Well, in anything, it was like, I never ever in my head said, oh, this hurts. It was like, ooh, you know, and I'd feel it and I would try to do something in response. And I just started thinking, God damn, this hurts, man, this yeah. hurts. And it, I said, I'm done. I am, I'm done sparring, man. I'm, now it hurts. It's not, it's not even enjoyable. No. Yeah, I, I get that little thought, like, oh, you know, you know, next time I go to AK, I'll bring my <laughs> training gear and stuff, and I'll spar. <laughs> Don't do like, it. Uh, nah, it's okay. I can, I'll go there and grapple and stuff when, when they get back open. But no, I have no desire to get punched anymore. Just people keep asking. I ran into one of our people at Bellator in the back. They're like, Josh, you got to come out of retirement. I'm like, fuck no. <laughs> There's not one thing, like... Like I left a lot of money. That's what people don't think they don't know. Yeah. I left a ton of money on the table. You know, my 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 next three fights. When I had I had four more fights left, I think. My next my next three to four fights, my money was going to go up a lot. And I was like, it's not going to make a difference. It ain't worth it. You no, know, it ain't worth it. So, anyways, um, Rodriguez versus Waterson. Well, hold on. I want to ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Do you think that Donald should should call it an end? Yes. Do you think that he should go on? No, I think he should. 
I think he should. Because honestly, he's got a lot to offer in other areas. But if that's you, the way if, I look at it. If you keep fighting, those areas may they, those areas may go away. Dry up. You know, and it's it's like you have to learn that the okay, look, you had a good career, and you're not going to get anybody. They're not going to give you anyone super tough anymore, which is fine. So you're gonna. But now, if you do lose to someone, you're just hurting your legacy. On top of the fact that the more damage he takes, it's going to be less likely for him to do other things after fighting. And I want to remind people that even I don't even know how old is he. Thirty seven. I think he's 37. 38, I think. Is he 38? Yeah, he's 38. Okay, so 38. My thing is this, is that at 38 years old, he's let's just God willing, he lives to be 80. He's got another 40 years of his life to live. Do you want to live it with with all the pain and injuries and all those other things that come along with it as well as, you know, where did I put my keys? You know, that kind of situation. And you have two, I think he has two young kids, correct? Yes, he does. He has two. Two young boys. Yeah, yeah, one one is what Jackson Danger Danger Danger. One's Danger, and I don't know what the other one is. Um, name is, but um, you know, two young young boys. Like, it's spent time, man. Got so much, so much ahead of him. So much, yeah. yeah. And with the, like his ranch and everything, I'm sure he can stay busy all damn day doing that. You know, he I, could I, definitely coach. There's no doubt about that because he's a good coach. He understands the whole game. But he's such a personality that people and and he's he's a a genuinely nice guy. Yeah, you know, and he likes people, and I think the UFC needs to keep him around. He's good for their brand. He's outstanding for their brand. You know, he doesn't he doesn't do anything wrong. You know, he does crazy stuff, and that's why people love him. You know, he's he's big into doing all kinds of you know things that get his adrenaline pumping, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I don't want to see him used as that guy that, oh, we're going to get so-and-so, you know, uh, a, a, a good name on his record with a win. It's like, that's, that's not where he should ever be. Like, if I was the UFC, and if even if I wasn't the UFC, if I owned my own TV network, I'd be trying to get some sort of show about his ranch. Him and his ranch and him taking him taking random people whether they're celebrities or British random people, him taking them skydiving, him taking them on this boat, learning to teach them how to wakeboard. I would make a TV show about the BMF ranch. I mean, that honestly, like if you have, I, I would make like one of those, one of the 24 sevens. You know what? This week's 24 seven is going to be about such and such fighter going to the BMF ranch out there to do some crazy shit with, of course, de- Cowboy You don't know if you want your fighters going out there doing crazy shit with. I agree. Them. I agree. All right, this you, this uh, fight is canceled because of. Yeah, yeah. I get, <laughs> I get it, but I would do something along those lines. Yeah. With him behind him because he's you know I mean like I obviously you can't have you don't want your fighters out there bull riding, but I mean like you know wakeboarding you know you got wakeboarding you got snowmobiling he does all that stuff man he's he does it all she does all the what's it called like those uh the not ATVs but they're. They're like what are they called? The razors and the cats. Oh yeah, those uh, four wheelers. He does. Hey, what are you talking? He does the snowmobiling. He does. He flies yeah. planes. He does it all. Yeah. So I, I think it'd be perfect. I think you have something like that. You know. And then plus you have the training aspect of it as, as well that's out there. That you have a lot of fighters that are out there. He did a little video the other day, and I saw him like it was a little bit. It almost felt like a little bit of that jackass feel to it, where he had one of the guys like trying to take his leg kicks, 
and it was hilarious. <laughs> and he had the pad, and he like swept the leg out from underneath it. It was just fun to watch. I, I was getting a giggle out of it, you know. And I think it's a perfect situation, perfect scenario where you have somebody that has, he's got the personality to be on TV. He's fun. He's his one liners, like his whole thing about the Joshua Fabia thing. Oh, I just about <laughs> fucking just about. Come on, that was funny. I was like, gosh, I can't believe this is coming out of his mouth. But it's, hey, but he's got so much shit. All the hunting stuff, all the fishing stuff. He's got a great personality. If you guys follow him on uh, on Instagram, what's it? Cowboy Cerrone? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah it's Cowboy, Cal- Cowboy Cerrone. So you guys, uh, check him out, man. He's got a lot of great stuff on his Instagram. So, but I, like, I'd like to see him hang it up. But I'd like to also yeah. see him potentially start talking to, to the UFC about doing something for his uh for his ranch out there it'd be great there was some people i saw that uh actually were uh saying something about the stoppage that mark goddard you know shouldn't have stopped it when he did you know because early it's like no mark goddard did the right thing and you got to understand mark goddard you know cares about donald cerrone he really does and when you're seeing a guy getting hit hurt and then he actually started to turn away right at the end and you go there's no reason to see that final nail in the coffin. You don't need to see him face down, ass up to know, oh, this is what's going to occur. Yeah. It just was too much. It was a good stoppage. I wanted to say that. Yeah. The other thing is that <clears throat> fighters sometimes are out on their feet. They yeah. don't know where they're at. They don't know where the punches are coming from. They they're barely, they they don't even realize they're still standing. So I've seen a lot of a lot of my. Well, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah, I've seen a lot of my <laughs> friends. I've seen a lot of my friends be. That were kickboxers, and they would get hit, and they would be they'd be standing straight up, and they didn't realize. Nobody. Yeah, just taking Nobody's shots. Nobody's home. Face. No one's home. The lights are out. It's done, and and without the ref, I mean, they'd still probably be standing taking shots. So, uh, okay, so Rodriguez and uh, Rodriguez, sorry, Rodriguez and Watterson. You know, it was. Uh, I, I give Rodriguez is good. She's a tough, tough fighter she just she's got that volume plus she's got power you know you don't see power in you know, normally 115 pound fighters but she actually has snap on her shots you can see that it hurts people i thought michelle waterson was doing everything she could in that fight to be effective to be active when she got her to the ground she did a lot of great work but she just wasn't able to get her down to the ground you know the way that she is with most uh of the fighters that she competes against and so it actually went the way I thought it was. I thought that, you know, Rodriguez was going to get the win just based upon uh, her heavy power and her stand up and her, her very, she's got good, you know, takedown defense. So it was a, you know, it was a lopsided fight, but it was competitive. It was very similar kind of, you know, to what we had at Bellator a little bit where it was clear who won, but the other fighter was fighting and fighting hard throughout it. So. Yeah, I think Michelle made it interesting at the end in the fourth round and with the yeah, takedown. Even in the stopped. fifth, in the fifth, she made it interesting. So I mean, I, I had Michelle win in the fourth and the fifth, and the fifth was close. The fifth was close because Rodriguez finished, I think, a little bit harder with the hard, hard shots. Yes, she got power. Um, the other thing as well is that like with Michelle Watterson, her takedowns. I don't like. I don't like to see people shooting like that for the legs, knowing that someone's long, long and lanky like that. Punch your way into the clinch because her one takedown was in the clinch. She shot. She kind of shot a half-ass shot, but made her way into the into the body lock and was able to get behind her and then took her down. I, those are the ways when you're trying to fight someone that long, punch your way in and get close to them and then body lock them, you know. And th- it wasn't there. 
Uh, she didn't start getting that on to the fourth fourth round. So, um, but overall, I, I was impressed with the fact that Michelle Waterson. I thought she was going to steal the fight after that fourth round. I was like, oh, she's going to steal this fight. She gets another takedown. She might be able to get some work in there. I thought maybe she was going to get to the back, get a choke, anything along those lines. Yeah. But uh, no. And then that was the other thing. She came out in the fifth. She let a minute and a half go by before she did anything. And if I'm her corner, I'm like, what are you doing? Go, go. Like, you, you're down. Like, that would have been the conversation in the corner after the fourth round. We need to go out there, punch our way into this, this clinch and this takedown, or we need to go out there and punch our way into a takedown. And so that didn't happen for almost a minute and a half. By then, Rodriguez had kind of fully, you know, she's recovered in terms of like, you know, she's got her win back and she can fight as hard as she wants for the next three and a half minutes. I, I thought Rodriguez, and I'm not going to take anything away from Rodriguez. She's got some power. She puts her combinations together really well. Um, it seemed like every time she threw and hers landed, it affected Michelle Watterson's like ability to stay in front of her. She got hit and it pushed her backwards. She got hit, pushed her into the fence. She got hit and made her go left or right. You know, whereas Michelle Watterson up until the fourth or fourth and fifth round, she had nothing that really landed that it she had shots that landed clean, but nothing that made Rodriguez like Oh, I got to respect that. Alter her game. Yeah, it didn't make her like, oh, wow, that, that stunned me. That hurt me. But uh, she had a lot of good stuff. And like I said, in the fourth and the fifth, Michelle Waterson did. But the first three rounds was all uh, Rodriguez. Michelle Waterson's a gamer, though. You got to do this. She's, she's the best part about her is there's times she's out there and she gets hit and she got that smile. Mm -hmm. And you look and you go, why are you smiling? But I love the fact that you're smiling. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, uh, it was a tough loss for Michelle. You know, I know she felt like she had a chance against her and stuff, but you're really seeing uh, kind of like a star is born with Marina Rodriguez. Mm -hmm. She's only got the one loss against the Spars. It was a split decision loss. You can go back and look at it, and it was more just that wrestling uh, versus striker type of scenario. She's good. She's going to be a handful. You know, she, you, I would love to see. You want to you put a fight together? Put Ioana and Marina together. I want to see that fight. Yeah, that'd be a good fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be a good fight. I'd like to see Would that. be. Say exactly where Rodriguez is at. Yeah. Let me see. Pull, pull up her Marina's uh, record. She fought Hebus, right? Yeah, that was her fight before this. Yeah, yeah. She knocked her out kind of twice. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I remember that. Ah, huh, gotcha. He's good. Ah, I think Yoana pieces are up, <laughs> but she's big. I think she's. I think wow. she's a lot bigger than Yoana. And Yoana, oh. even though even though she's got great stand up, she doesn't have as much pop as she does as as Rodriguez. Rodriguez, no, has she more does pop. not. And Yoana's no. chin, I I don't want to say it's suspect, but she she doesn't take a hard shot as well as she as used well to. As some of yeah, as you as she used to, yeah. She's not done by any means. I'm not saying I'm not no, saying no, no. Say that. No, no. Joanna's fucking still up there in the top dog. One of the top dogs. Yep. All right. Um, all right. Well, let's jump into Bellator, buddy. All right. Let's go. Uh, full disclosure, guys. Let's can you scroll down to the, the prelims? Yeah, yeah, full disclosure. Full disclosure, guys. I said that this card was gonna be one of the best. Our prelims, and I'm gonna be honest, some of our prelims let me down. You know, and I'm just being honest. Look, I got I got to call out the bullshit too. I'm the, I want everyone okay. to like I, I don't know. You make your statement and I'm going to counter it. I'm a homer. I'm a homer and I wanted them to perform. There were some fights in here that were fa fabulous. Henry Cross and Johnny Campbell, 
Great, oh. great fucking fight. Johnny Campbell. Great he's fight. Savage. Uh, I thought Johnny Eblen did. Eb, Eblen. Okay. Eblen? I thought, I, I, he did exactly what we needed him to do against okay. a very tough and game fighter in Madrid. Okay. Great fight. I thought Patchy Mix came back on track and did exactly what he needed to do. But, um, okay. Perez, I wasn't impressed. I know he got his win, but I wasn't impressed. I thought he could have, I thought he could have done more. Just my personal opinion. Okay. Uh, Weber Almeida, you gotta, you gotta get better at the ground, buddy. I, I was, I was high on you until I realized that you, your ground game needs a lot of work, a ton of work. You know, and I thought Soto just came after him and put it on him and just was just touching him and touching him. Was able to get those takedowns and just control that position. I, it was it was one one going into the third, and he just and Weber just didn't have anything left in the tank. Nothing there. Yeah. So, um, if I'm going through these all, Lorenz Larkin going up to to 85 to fight. He was supposed to fight Van Stenis. He's lucky Van Stenis didn't show up. And I love me some Lorenz, man. But at 170 is where Lorenz belongs. At 170. I know Hakael's a big, tall, long guy, but so is Van Steenis, by the way. I mean, he's not as big as as Cavallo. But he's definitely more violent. Yeah, he's definitely more violent. Way more violent. You know, and so if that fight, if that would have been Lorenz and Van Steenis, it wouldn't have gone. I don't think it would have went well for Lorenz. You know, so I can get into all this, but the one I want to crit- – let's talk about the, the prelims first, and then I'll get into the Josh Hill and the Stotts fight. But no, uh, I think I think you were you're pretty honest because there was a couple of fights in there as you're going to look at the Henry Corrales, Johnny Campbell fight. That thing was fire. Yeah. John, Johnny Campbell is absolutely nuts. He was throwing things. He was doing spinning attacks. He didn't care if he got hit. He'd stick his face in there at times. He does make a, a, a basic mistake. He keeps, he's doing what a boxer does as far as, you know, swinging his head, you know, low and bring He's got to be very careful of a guy bringing up the kick or bringing up the knees Henry's not that guy that really is a kicker. Yeah. So it might have been just his game plan against Henry, so I'm not going to say anything about it. But, man, he was tough. Man, he was fun to watch. What a finish and what a great personality he was. I just loved everything he did. And like you said, Johnny Eblen looked great. Johnny, I'm going to call Johnny, what's your nickname now? Eblen. (laughs) Because he keeps on changing his nickname. Now he's what, Diamond Hands? Or something like that, he said. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he was. I think he was Soldier Boy. Then he was the Korean Canelo, and now he's Diamond Hands. <laughs> so <laughs> it keeps changing. But he really looked good. He did exactly what he needed to do against a guy who, in the stand-up and a, has a submission game, you know, you're looking at is a very good fighter, very well-rounded. Daniel Madrid's a tough dude. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that we really knew that you know, Eblin had as a uh, you know, Ace in the Hole has had his wrestling. He's a better wrestler by far. Never used it. Mm-mm. Never used it. So, That's what impressed me the most, John. I know. He didn't even really threaten it. He, like, didn't no, go over his level. Never. Like, said, no, I'm going to stand here with you. And even when he got into him, he pushed off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was impressed, man. I was that. See, look. When I, now, when I used to talk with Rich Chow about the guys that were coming up. Guys like Ed Ruth, you know, guys that were wrestlers that try to make a change and get get their striking on track, you know, um, that's this is the growth that they wanted to see. Ed had some good wins on the feet, you know, but he didn't have a, he had he never had a win against someone like a Daniel Madrid, somebody who was so well versed and so well rounded, you know. Ed, he, I mean, he beat Jason Jackson, but you could have said Jason Jackson won that fight, you know. Um, there was other he beat Kudamoto. 
Peach could have yeah, won that. That's yeah, pretty yeah. good. That's a pretty good win. That's pretty good. You're right. Okay. So, um, but I'm saying like the growth that we saw in Ed versus the growth that we're seeing right now in Johnny Eblen is is a little bit different. This is the kind of style. Like he looked clean. He looked crisp. He and you knew, like you said, you knew he had the ace in the hole with his wrestling. His wrestling's really damn good. Yeah. Like really good. And so and sorry, it, it is at Ed Ruth level, but Ed's wrestling doesn't transition very well to MMA. And we've seen that. Whereas Ed scrambles do, we saw that against Amosoff. It, it does. It, it works its way through. But Eblin's wrestling transitions very well to MMA, and the fact that he didn't even for one moment think about using it. He has, and he obviously stayed very clean and tight with his stand up. He looked phenomenal. I mean, I don't know. You could be looking at like you could be looking at your next champ. You could be at that weight class. You know, you know the, the how Johnny got into MMA was Steve Moko. Moko. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you talk about a crazy mean <laughs> bastard. Yeah, yeah. That's Steve, and you know, Steve saw something in Johnny Eblen and said, "Oh yeah, you need to be an MMA fighter, and I'm going to help." And he's coaching him, and uh, now he's got Mo Law with him too, and you can see the change. You can see what he's doing, man. He's really looking good. Maka was at Oklahoma State, I think, with DC and uh, yes, he was uh, King Mo and those guys. Yeah, yep, yeah, he was at Oklahoma State there. Always known as a mean mf'er. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Um, I know it probably wasn't the performance that a lot of people were expecting in terms of um, dominance with Patrick Mix, but coming off of his first loss, I thought he did. He had a little bit of a slow start in the first round, but I thought he did a phenomenal job after that. Is look, I just, I talked about it in the UFC. We were talking about the UFC fight. One of them. Where the person's coming off of a loss, you're just trying to get the win, the Lima. That's the Lima. Yeah, like with Mix coming off of his first loss, you know, obviously upset, didn't win the title, you know, that kind of thing. He wanted to make sure he got the win. He changed camps. Now he's at, at Couture's, yep. at Extreme Couture's there with uh, Jake Shield and some of the other guys. Yep. There's a lot to absorb. There's something that you are specifically working on that your camp has been working on you, you know, and now you just go out there. Now you need to go out there and try and, and do what you've been working on in the gym. And it's different. You do it in the gym. It's like you do it with people that you know their style, and it works probably against them. But then to do it against somebody else in a fight who's fighting a, a little bit faster and harder because in training you don't you can't mimic the fight pace, you know. And in a real fight, it's a faster, it's a more intense. That person's using a lot more strength, not be not not worried about getting tired. And so I thought Patrick did a great job after he gathered himself after the first round. Came out and showed dominance the next two rounds. I thought I, I thought he looked good, man. I thought he looked really good. I thought he looked fantastic. Yeah, the first round, I liked the fact that he had some difficulty. Yeah, I really do because I, I watched him fight his way out of that difficulty. I've known Albert Morales for the entirety of his professional career. You know, he started uh, started in Bellator actually, but you know, I watched him when he was a young fighter, and uh, he's good everywhere. Now he had some problems, you know. When he went to the UFC, he had a you know, couple fights he lost by a decision and stuff. But he um he's good and he's got a good grappling game. He's got, you know, good stand up. And so he's run into a situation where he's had some hard fights and uh he lost he lost a big fight. I think it was in uh I'm not sure what organization it was. It was to Alfred Kashakian who you'd watched Sergio Pettis get his first win in Bellator against LXF. Uh, against Alex. Kostakian. Okay, Alexa, lights out. That's right. And so 
he's had some hard losses and stuff, but he's still a good fighter. And he really had regroup, regrouped fights out of, you know, Black House. He's got Kenny Johnson doing his wrestling stuff. So I figured he was going to be tough, you know, to just take down. But I knew that Patchy's just so good at getting to the back. But that first round, he gave Patchy everything that, you know, you could give him. He was, he came out in the second. He had, you could tell that he was feeling pretty good and Patchy just took it over. Yeah, and just got dominant positions, and it was funny because I was I was listening to his corner in between rounds, listening to what Jake Shields was saying, and Jake said, you know, said the right thing. He goes, "Hey, look, I need more out of you." He says, "I I, I cannot have a round like that." He goes, "That was a close round." He goes, "I need a dominant round out of you. Yeah. Go get me a dominant round." And he went out and he did it. Yeah, you know, and then he went out and he finished it in the third, and so he, just a really good comeback performance off of that first off because you never know how, especially a. It's a young fighter, a guy who had never lost in the amateurs, a guy who had never lost in the pros. He had gone 24 fights in a row without a defeat. And you get that first defeat, you don't know how they're going to react. How are they going to you know, step back up? Or is it going to be that when they get hit, they start to, instead of doing what they did before, oh, I, I can't lose again, and so they start to you know, step away and not engage now. He did a great job. He looked really good. And, Patchy mixes back. He's going to be a handful for everyone. Yeah, he's good. And like, if you look at he stylistically, to me is is someone who's tailor made for Pettis. Because if he can get Pettis down, and he him being longer and taller than Pettis, and being only getting on the legs, and he's nasty good on the ground. He's I think he's tailor made for someone like Pettis. It should be a really good fight. But then you're you've saying tailor made for to beat Pettis. To beat Pettis to beat. Okay. Pettis. Yeah, but then you've also got the other guy who's number three right now, probably chomping at the bit, Magomed Magomedov. Like him, he's another guy who's tailor made for to beat Anthony or uh, Sergio Pettis. And so like you've got guys there now. Obviously, we saw in the last fight with Juan Archuleta and Pettis, it's going to be hard to take him down and hold him down. That was the problem. As soon as you got him down, he got up right away. Popped right back up. Very impressive. Um, what was the other fight on that? Rafion Stotts and Josh Hill's the one that you want to go crazy about. <sighs> you know what? I don't want to. You know what? Now that you said that, I I'm can't. not gonna. I would not. I will not take anything away from Rafion Stotts. He fought a smart fight. He's fighting a guy that is really technically good, very smart. He dominated the action of the fight, so you can't say anything about it. You just wanted to see more out of both because you expected more out of both because they're both that good. Very well said, John. Very okay. well said. Um, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little bit more like a little bit harder in the paint on them. I figured you would. <laughs> yeah, the the Rafael Stotts thing. You had plenty of energy. You did you did a great job controlling the position, but you are ranked number four. Okay, where did you think you were gonna go after this with a dominant win? You could have got a title shot. Absolutely not. Now. If I'm the promoter sitting there going, hey, I want to see a dominant win. Do you want a title shot? No. I think now you're forced to fight somebody else. And if we pull up the, if you were able to pull up the Bellator rankings, I don't know if these are. Yeah, they, uh, it's real simple. Okay. But I think I had put him somewhere. He's going to have to fight somebody else. Yeah. You know, like you're going to, he's going to have to fight somebody else. And there's another chance of you not being able to, um, to get a win. So why, why, like. There should have been more. And what I don't like, this is what I didn't like, was that, sure, you beat Josh Hill. But at the very end, like the last 15 seconds, you start talking, you start getting a little loud, you start like kind of showboating. Why wasn't, why wasn't, why wasn't that at the beginning of the fight? Why yeah, wasn't where, that at the beginning of that third round? Yeah, where was it? Like, hey, I'm one round away from beating you. Like, there, why? I just don't get that part of it all. 
And he, like he had so much energy left over. He was doing what cartwheel, whatever it was. He was like a lot of energy in the, in the middle of the cage afterwards. I just, I want to see, I think you want to see more, you know, these are, da, 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 da. Uh, I, th I think, you're, you're, I you're think gonna... what you're going to see is I think you're going to see Rafian Stotts against someone like Magomedov. Oh. I, I disagree. I think you're going to have Magomedov fight for the title next. And I think, I think you're so? Stotts and probably, uh, probably Stotts and Juan Archuleta now. Okay. Because you got to keep them away. You got to keep Stotts probably away from Sergio because they're teammates. That's We're one. teammates, and so that's a problem. And then two, Stotts didn't have a great performance. I know it was a big win over over Josh Hill. You know, he, like you said, he fought a very smart fight, but I'm not giving you a title shot off that. Now, if you go out there and beat Juan, okay, now maybe we have a conversation. But I'm sorry, but I don't think Sergio beats Magomed Magomedov. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. But that's that's that conversation that's in there. And then you got Patchy Mix kind of left in the middle there. It's the one thing that I really like about the Bantamweight division is you can take a look and you go, I think that guy could beat that guy, but that guy could beat that guy. And you have this where that title might be changing hands back and forth. Yeah. Um, I think once it gets to Magomedov, I think it's going to stay there for a little bit. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. The only one that I think that maybe has somewhat of a chance would be Patchy Mix. Patchy Mix. Magomedov. Yeah. Stylistically, it's like, okay, go ahead, take me down. Yep. <laughs> now you're going to be in a little bit of trouble. But, I mean, we saw Patchy get tired in a five-round fight. So by the third round, he wasn't the same fighter that he was in the first two. So if he, if he works and continues to work, because he cuts a lot of weight. He's a tall, long guy. Oh, yeah. He's a big guy. So, um. You know, we'll see. But you've got you've got other guys that are in there. You've got you know you've got James Gallagher's there. You got you know Josh Hill is still there. Leandro and, Higo, you get, and Lugo that I love, Jornel Lugo. You know Lugo. You've got you know Brian Moore is he he made his way into the top ten. He's number ten now. So if you bump him up in there somewhere, you know he'll be in there as well. Brian Moore versus uh, you know one of those other guys up there. So I'd like to see up. Brian Moore against Lugo. Yeah, yeah, that'd be a good fight. And then if, you, if you're looking at Higo, Higo's still got power in his hands. He's got good jujitsu, and the other guy that's you know not even in there that you got to look at is you know in the top ten they don't have a guy that used to be the champion in uh, Darian Caldwell if he's going to fight at 135 still. So, and you also have Horaguchi who's sitting on the wing. Yep, yep, yep. Two guys that are not in this in the bracket right now because haven't fought in a while. They got they got they got a lot of talent at 135. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's our most stacked division in the whole promotion. Yeah, well, nah. 45, 45 is there as well. 45 is there as well. All but, right. Yeah, yeah. All right, main card. Let's go. <laughs> that Michael Venom page, he hasn't fought anybody. He only fights cans. They just, they're protecting him the whole time. Okay. Is that over now? No, no. I had people <laughs> in my Twitter section saying, like, <laughs> no. oh, the can crusher. It you doesn't matter. I did, with exactly what I said. It doesn't matter who he fights. Doesn't They're gonna say, difference. "Oh, he's not good." I'm just telling you, people. The guy can fight. He's good. He is a, he's a problem for everybody. He made it look easy. He made it he's, look easy. He didn't even break a sweat. No, I thought for sure Derek Anderson was gonna be able to catch him, like not catch him, knock him out. But I thought for sure he'd be able to like get after him, and get to the clinch, dirty it up on him a little dirty bit, dirty it up, yeah. He didn't even fucking touch him. It's like this Lungy. is, and that's this is my whole point. This is, everyone thinks, you know, and we had talked to Derek Anderson, and he said he goes, "I'm going to stand with him. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that." And I'm thinking, that's just not the right game plan because you think you're going to be able to touch him, and then when you don't, now where's your game plan? And 
people think that they're going to get in on him. You know, and, and everyone can say what they want about, you know, oh, you're going to talk about Douglas Lima. Yes, he did. Well, Douglas Lima happens to be one of the very best welterweights in the world. No doubt about it. He's the champion of Bellator, and he can fight with anyone. Mm-hmm. But he was having problems with Paige, especially in that first round of that fight. And he ends up with that kick. He gets the, the shot that knocks him out. Awesome job. But it wasn't an easy fight up to that point. No. And this is where I'm. Paige is still getting better. He's just a problem for him. He's in that same realm of the, you know, Stephen Thompson. People don't remember when Stephen Thompson was, you know, just starching guys, you know, yeah, he's had a couple of guys beat him and anyone can get beat, but Stephen Thompson is still a problem for everyone based upon the style that he fights. But I'm telling you, Stephen Thompson gets hit five times more than Michael Page gets hit. No, I agree. I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, it, Michael Venom Page, his footwork, his movement, his feints, all of those things, the speed was evident. He did that little, it was a little step in. It wasn't a swift oh. kick. It was just a little step in head kick. Yeah. Beautifully. He, he just switched the location. He knew where he was going, but he, he yeah. faked it so it was going to be towards the body and just kind of slid it up. So nice. So nice. And then, I mean, like, I, Derek, Derek just being Derek, just, just one of those tough kids. I mean, they were. He was telling them, "I don't. You can go ahead and keep letting me fight." But his corner was like, "No, the fight's done, bro." Yeah, his corner right away. So, no, the fight's done. Yeah, he's like, you know, and the, the corners right. Look at the cartilage was displaced. I don't know if people understand what they were looking at with that nose break. Yeah, tell me what the difference is between the Roy McDonald situation with Robbie Lawler and then this one. Okay, here's your difference when you're when you're talking about the the nose of Roy McDonald. Roy McDonald's nose is broken; it's fractured. Mm-hmm. Okay, meaning that it's bleeding and stuff like that. It's got a uh, a line going across the bone has been separated, but it hasn't been displaced. What you saw with Derek Anderson is you're seeing the nose is broken, the bone is completely displaced, and the cartilage, because all this bottom part, you know, that's why I can take and fold mine over, is big. It has now been crushed and displaced down into his septum, and the bone is now it's out of place. So you've got a completely different situation, and for them to to fix it, they're going to do. There's there's both what they call closed and open um, dissection of it to put it back. They're going to take rods. I've had it done. They're going to stick it in his nose and and try to pop that cartilage back up into place. It's going to feel really good when it happens. <laughs> it sucks, but to have someone fight with that, you're you're talking problems. And that's why the doctor comes in and goes, "No, it's it's over." It's not just a broken nose. It's been displaced, and that's why they, you can actually have someone's sinuses start to have get crushed off of that because there's nothing there now. So it was as soon as I saw his nose and how flat it was, I go, oh, they're going to stop the fight. Wow. And they did, and I figured they would, and it was the right thing to do. Got it. But then let's get into the next stoppage, which is Patricky versus Peter Queeley. Yeah, that one I didn't agree with. <laughs> I didn't agree with it either. It's blood. Yeah. It's and blood. it's... You know, I, I, I used to, you know, I would tell referees all the time, and I would tell ringside physicians, and, and it's it's really tough, and, you know, I, everyone go ahead and eat me up about this because they're, you're not a doctor, you don't know. Yeah, you're right, I'm not a doctor. But I do I do know uh, what doctors are looking for as far as cuts and what's the problem. Now, the, the real problem with Patricky's when you're looking at the doctor coming in between the second and third round is – 
the cut man, who is a really good cut man, uh, has been doing it for a long time at Bellator. Dean Lasseter, he knows what he's doing. He was actually taking gauze rolls, not just you know nose, not just the the nose stick or the Q-tip. He's taking the actual roll that he has dipped into adrenaline with Vaseline and stuffing it into the cut. It's a big cut, and it's you know it's it's losing itself in the cut. And normally that adrenaline will stop the flow of blood. It will make the flow of blood stop to the point where now. At least it's been closed up. The Vaseline, as soon as it gets touched, it's going to start bleeding again. But when a cut man cannot ebb the flow of blood, does not stop it, and as soon as the fighter moves, you know the blood's starting to, to you know, just run down his face before the the fight's even started. You're going to get a lot of ringside physicians go. No, there's no point to it. It's it's a cut that's so deep, so big that. We can't even stop the bleeding. The ble- the blood's going to get in his eyes. Well, let that happen is what I'm just trying to say. Because yeah. it could be that the blood doesn't get in his eyes. And you give it a chance. It could be that he goes out there and he throws two shots and the fight is over and he's the winner. The real problem here is there's a lot on the line in this fight. Yeah, There's a ton on the line for Pitbull. And I'm not saying do this just because it's Pitbull. I would do this for anyone. I would try to get them through that round. I would try to get them at least into that round to try to give them the chance to try to come out with a win. Now, that's not taking anything away from Peter Queeley. Peter Queeley came out, did a great job, did exactly what he was supposed to do. You know, Peter Queeley, no one knows this, he actually got injured in the back. He cut his foot on something in the back, and they had, Dean Lasseter had to go and, try to stop the bleeding on his foot because he had a big old slice on the bottom of his foot came out and fought anyways, you know, because he's just a tough Irishman that you know doesn't care. And uh, he came out and put on a great performance, but I didn't think that the doctors gave Patricky all the room that they could have to try to let, at least let him, you know, try to get something done in that round. You know, you can always tell the referee, Hey, watch him close. If it starts to bleed bad, I want you to stop it and bring him to me so I can look. Yeah. And the referee's going to say, okay, I'll do that. And that that wasn't done, so I wish it was. Yeah, when I talked to some of the commissioners afterwards, I think what really scared the doctor when they came in, like you said, they had the, when you wrap your your hands, they had the end of the gauze, and it was probably like only about like this big around, like the end portion of it. Normally the gauze is about like that, right? When you start wrapping your hands. Yeah. They had the end gauze, and so it was like down to the last little bit, and he had dipped it in the adrenaline or poured the adrenaline on it and put it in there. And he said the the whole gauze roll covered it up into the cut, yeah. and so you could actually almost close the cut over the gauze. Could have put the gauze, left the gauze in the cut, and that's what I think scared the doctor. These East Coast doctors, man, they're all pussies. <laughs> remember, the, remember the New York doctor, the one with the uh, every time. Yeah, I'm just, I'm kidding, guys. Uh, but no, it's it's true. Got to remember, these doctors have a lot on the line. Yes, it's not they like, do. Oh, it's it, no. There, there's pressure on them to make sure they're making the right call to keep these fighters safe. But you also have to. I think these doctors need to follow the sport. And they need to know who they're dealing. That's with. the difference. They have to know who they're dealing with. They're not dealing with, you know, grandpa off the couch, you know, or the, you know, there's some kid off the couch. They're dealing with people that have trained. They've been hit. They know how this feels. Patricky's been in damn wars his whole career. And same thing with Peter Quilly. They both know. They both know exactly what they're doing. And so I think in this situation, I couldn't agree with you more in terms of they should have let this fight go on. 
and I've always said this, and Bob and I have always talked about this, Bob Cook and I, it's like, hey, when if when the doctor talks about wanting to stop and say, hey, give me one minute. Give me one minute in the round. <laughs> you don't see what, if you don't like what you see, go ahead and stop the fight. But give me one minute. You've got to make that very clear to the fighter. You know, like, hey, I'm going to give you time, but as soon as I start seeing it, like you said, if it's bleeding too much, if I see you wiping the, the blood from your eyes, you know, and it's affecting your performance, then I'm going to stop the fight. You know, but if you can go out there and show me something that you're still in this fight or there's a chance that you're going to win this fight, then I'll let it keep going. Because that's the moment. Those are the moments that make superstars. Those are the moments that you can capitalize on. And, and it's a cut. It's not like you remember, like it's not like a cut that was that potentially gives you droopy eye. It's not a cut that, you know, like that will cause major harm or body. It's like it's, it's a head cut. So they bleed more. Yep. You know, I don't know if you recall. Remember the uh, there was two fights. Joe Daddy and Eve Edwards. You say, did you say I don't know if you recall? Yes, I did say that. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there was two fights. There was yeah, the Joe, Joe Daddy, Joe Daddy against Edwards. Eve Edwards. I did it. And then he, he choked him. That was the most the blood ever. <laughs> that was there's that fight, and then there was the the Adam Piccolotti fight. I can't remember who he fought, but he got the choke, and at the very end, they're showing the highlight clip of him choking him, and the blood squirts out of his Squirt forehead. Up. Squirts out of his forehead as he squeezed his head. So um, that was th that was a lot of blood, but it wasn't. And this wasn't like that though, and that's the thing. So I no. would have liked to have seen a minute, a minute and a half, maybe two. You know, to see exactly where the fight was going to go for that to happen. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, I'm trying to, sh I'm gonna send something to Dave. I'm, I'm looking for a photo. So let me see if I can send this to. Uh... Are you gonna take over? Yeah, but. Damn it! I'm so I'm so, I'm so shitty at this. Here, let me go mess with <laughs> the news. Uh, iPhones are the easiest one as well, John. What's that? iPhones are the easiest one as well. I got it, baby. I got it. It should be on the way to you. See if you can put that one up, and I'll talk about it and explain. Okay. But you're gonna have all kind. Of, I have I have so many pictures of cuts and different things that have occurred, and you're looking at, and doctors are looking for specific things and things that most people when they look at it they don't understand what they're looking at they don't see the cut uh, they don't see the difference in it but there are differences and when you're talking about the one with Patricky, you're talking about one that's off on the side of his forehead so there's really nothing bad that can happen there structurally you know when we talk about structurally you get into the eye and you talk about the, the way that they you know the, the eye is as far as tissues and things like that but what you're seeing here this was a cut that was brandon gertz against uh Derek Campos. Mm -hmm. That was the the Michael Jordan is what we called it because mm -hmm. it kind of looks like Jordan in his thing. It does. But if you look at the bottom left, the bottom left is what made the doctor stop this fight. Okay, And that cut occurred in the first round. And when it occurred, it looked similar to this except for what you're seeing in the bottom left uh, leg of that. You see how the the top leg is this straight. It's a little bit jagged, but it's straight, goes up off to the right. The leg off the right, kind of straight. And then if you look at the bottom leg of that cut, you'll see that tail. Mm -hmm. You see how it splits into two directions? Yeah. That's what makes them stop the fight. Yeah. That difference in the cut. That wasn't there in the first round at the end of the first round, yeah. and it wasn't there until the end of the second round. It occurs off of a shot. It starts to tear the skin, and now the doctor goes, can't have it. Yeah. Because that's when you start to get these major tears 
that open up badly. So there's reasons why doctors will stop something and people go, it's the same cut. It's not. That little difference that you see is the difference in the cut from when he allowed it to go to when he says, I got to stop it. But when you're looking at Patrikis and stuff, you know, Joe Rogan would call it, you know, the, the whole goats thing, everything like that. But it's not one that he is actively having a problem with. He hasn't shown it. So let him at least show that he's got a problem with it. Let him, let him try to go out there. That, that would be, you know, what we would want to see. But again, it's like, you know, sometimes they, they don't look at who the fighter is. They don't, they don't know the difference in the fighters. They don't realize what's on the line for the fighters. It's just another fight. Yeah, I guess from a doctor's point of view, though, it's like they can't really concern themselves with that. They've got to look out for the fight. No, that's exactly the way the doctor is looking at it. But, but I, they, but they should though. They should in, in scenarios where, like you know, it's just a head cut and it's gonna sure it's gonna bleed. But as long as there's no long term damage, why can't I not keep going on? Well, I, I, I can tell you this. In fact, you you brought up the Joe Stevenson versus Eve Edwards, and that was on the side mm-hmm. of Eve's head. And if, you know, people, you know, talk about, you know, blood and fights and they talk about different fights, no one ever brings that fight up because they don't remember it. But, you know, that was one where it it was bleeding so bad that it actually was pooling out like you'd see a crime scene on the canvas. Yep. It actually, you know, wasn't just dripping into it. It was actually so much that it was actually pooling and moving out. And then finally, by the end of the round, he was covered. He looked like, you know, uh, he'd been in a, a fight with cannibals or something. I don't know, but it was just bad. Remember the movie Carrie where she's got blood all over her face? That's, you know, Eve's. But the whole thing was I'm looking at the cut. The cut's not bad. It's just that there's an arterial vein that has mm-hmm. been ruptured and it's spewing blood. And this the the ringside physician of that time, is he's one of the best ringside physicians there there has been. He's still working in Nevada. And he had, we had talked, made a talk about, you know, different things with cuts and blood. And he's, he goes, look, blood is nothing. And I always used to use his line. He goes, it's colored sweat, right? He goes, you don't worry about it. He goes, it's what is the cut? Not so much the blood. What is the cut? And so I always went off of all the information I had gotten from him. And he told me, he says, John, they're not going to bleed to death in there. He goes, it's not going to happen. You know, this is not something someone has to worry about. So that round comes to an end and, you know, Eves goes back and they're toweling him off and the, that, that ringside physician, you know, pulls me over to the side and he goes, Hey, John, you got to stop the fight. And I go, what? And he goes, I said, Dave, I said, well, why the cuts not bad. He goes, I would tell you that he has lost between 500 and 750 cc's of blood already. He goes, if he was in the hospital, I would be giving him a transfusion. I can't let him go on. He's losing too much blood. I go, whoa, 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 whoa. You told me he can't bleed to death. He goes, he can't because I'm telling you to stop the damn fight. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Oh, I I went over and, and, you know, Eves was crushed. He goes, I'm fine. I go, I know you're fine, brother. I'm sorry. I go, the ringside physician won't let the fight go on. We got to call it. And he was crushed. And I didn't blame him because he's like, I'm fine. Yeah. But. You know, so, you know, you have these things that, you know, the at times where you go, that's, that's not a bad cut, but the doctor is looking at other things. Yeah. If you're watching, by the way, um, I probably can't show that picture that John sent on YouTube because I think oh. we get pulled. But if you're just, if you just Google Brandon Gertz's cut, you, um, you'll see it on there, but I don't think I can, uh, I'll, I'll review it, but I don't think I can show that one. 
Why? Why is it? Right. It's my it personal falls, photo. Falls under violence. It's my personal. It's not violent. Falls I think it violence. falls under violence. You can't even tell what it is. It's got a paper thing around it. I'll review it, but I don't think I can show it. Okay. I think you should show it. Dave? <laughs> if I do, it'll probably be in black and white. Pull out your balls and show the picture. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to see that either. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 don't. You're right. Uh, Good point. Right. So it was the highly anticipated uh, return of Anthony Rumble Johnson against, uh, I call him Gugu, but uh, Gugu. Augusto. So Jose Augusto, it was a highly anticipated return. John, this was, a little bit of my concern was what we're going to see from Anthony Johnson the four years away. Yeah. I thought, I thought honestly, I thought he looked good, but I thought he made mistakes in terms of he tried too hard, I think, to get yeah. out of there in that first that first portion of the fight. He was putting pressure. He, it almost seemed like he didn't respect Gugu. He wanted to go out there and touch him and make him and show him his dominance, that kind of thing. And it was, like I said, these are the type of things that happen when you get to a new promotion, the new contract, the more money. You think you've got to go out there and do and fight like that. And sometimes you do underperform, and sometimes you try to overperform, and it and it backfires. And it almost did backfire in this case. And it just made for a lot of drama and a lot of fun. AJ's my boy, but fuck, I was sweating up there. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> like, what is going on? What the freak just happened? Oh. And uh, if you ask him, he didn't know what happened either. <laughs> oh, my. That, okay, well, we'll talk about that because that was my major mistake. But uh, I thought Anthony did exactly what you said. He was trying. He was trying so hard for something that comes so natural for him that he left himself open and he got hit. You know, Gugu had hurt his hand and he was visible that, you know, he hurt his hand off the top of Anthony's head and then he, he used it again and he, you could see him grab it and kind of turn away and you look and you go, eh. you know, is he going to, is he going to you know actually stop in the fight based upon his hand? He obviously he broke his hand, but comes back as Anthony is trying to put him away and he, he hit him with a big shot that hurt him and then put him down. And uh, I made the mistake in the interview. I, I looked and, and and I should have thought, you know, being that I've been around too many guys, I should have known he got concussed. You know, that shot was hard enough and he took enough damage that he got concussed in that. He might not even know about it. And I was trying to say, Anthony, how hurt were you? And he goes, I never got hurt. <laughs> and And right away I was like, Oh shit, he doesn't know. And and my producer in my ear says, "Show him the video. Have him turn and look at the video." Right? And I'm like, uh, and, and I should have said, you know, I totally understand. And we should have. I should have gone on from it. it. Was a mistake on my part. So you know, I was never trying to put Anthony in a bad spot, and I did. And this is why you do not interview guys that get knocked out because they don't know, and people don't realize. They think, "How do you not know? You were there. You, you it happened to you." It's a moment in their life that is gone. And that moment that he was hurt by Google, he doesn't remember it. Yeah. And it was it was bad on my part for, you know, actually bringing it up and then listening to someone say, well, go ahead and look at it. You know, yeah, you did get hurt. You know, it's like, of course he got hurt. Everyone saw it. He just doesn't know about it. But he did come back with a beautiful, beautiful knockout. You know, that, that shot that, you know, Gugu was stiff going down. He hit the ground. He kind of, kind of rocked him back, and then one hammer fist. It was over, but it was over from the point where Anthony hit that shot. So to Anthony, if in any way I offended you, man, brother, you know, you know, I love you, and I'm sorry I screwed up, but I learned something from it, and I'm never asking a question to someone that got hurt like that again in that way. So 
Well, I think it's my bad. More, I think it's more just like, hey, walk me through the replay, and then like him seeing yeah. the replay himself, like, oh wow, like it. Let I guess just allowing l- allowing them to tell the story. Yep. You know, and that's kind of where, and that's and that's Rogan talks about it all the time. Like we don't want to interview the people that have been knocked out because, like you just said, is they don't they don't always remember. And if you go in, we were talking about it earlier. You could still be on your feet, like with Donald Cerrone, and he probably won't remember a lot of those punches. Oh yeah. You know, he I'm sure he remembers getting hit and clipped, but then after that, it's probably like it's just a big haze. Okay, I didn't realize I got hit with the uppercut. I didn't know I got hit with the left hook. Whatever it was. You know what I mean? And you could still be on your feet and you don't remember these things. Right. So there's a there's a big difference on when you're getting hit and running and, and exactly remembering what happened as well as all the details. Sometimes, you know, like I said, when I fought Hermes Franca, I'd got hit. And my arms went limp and mine went face down, ass up. And I could see, I was awake. I could see the canvas coming towards my face, but I couldn't put my hands up. <laughs> and my face, my face hit off the canvas and it woke me up and I started scrambling. Oh shit, I'm back in it. You yeah. know? And so th- th- those things happen. There's times where you're awake and there's times where you're like waking up going, shit, what happened? What happened? A big difference. Um, like I said, uh, AJ, once he settled down, I think once the second, once the first round ended and he came out in the second round, and was able to touch him up on the feet. I thought the relaxation part of that right hand was key. He yep. didn't really show it. He just threw it, and it was nice, and that, that's why it stuck its way through there and landed cleanly. It was nasty. Well, one, he, one of the things that you really saw, he still possesses speed. Yeah. Speed is not gone. It's still there. And so with speed and that the strength that he has, he creates power. Yeah, but here, let's remember that Power sometimes is better served, which I think almost majority, I'd say 99% of the time is better served from relaxation. Yep. Now you don't see it coming. I just throw it. You're not expecting it. And then so the, there's a bunch of little things that all accumulate that power is that you don't see it when I just do it relaxed. AJ in the first round was loading up everything. He was trying to like throw the big shot. And then that gave Gugu a time to prepare, cover his head, duck his chin, all of those things because AJ was trying too hard. But once AJ relaxed, got settled down, you know, getting a little getting a little trouble there and being like, you know what, okay, we may be in this for a little bit. It's a five-round fight. Let's go ahead and just let's get back to a normal fight. And he was able to do that. I got a little concerned when AJ, the very first couple combinations, AJ started ducking his head, you know, like the just kind of putting his head downward and covering with over the top of his head versus covering just his face. And so that scared me a little bit. Uh, but then as the fight went on, you could tell he was he was putting pressure on himself to have a good performance and go out there and fight. And, man, Google yep. was big. Yeah. You see these two guys side by side, and everyone's like, man, AJ's a big guy. Bro, Google's big. He's a little bit taller than AJ. He's like probably two inches taller than AJ. And, just, and he had some good stuff. You know, I was He's a good I, fighter. I told you, he, the right. guy is tough. He doesn't. He had no quit in him. Even when he hurt his hand, he still went after him, and that's when he hurt him. You know, when AJ was really you know going after it, and he throws that one shot. It hit AJ, and you could see, oh, that hurt him. Yeah. So it's just good stuff. I mean, I thought I look when I talked about this card being stacked and this card being great. You know, the May twenty first card is also just as good. It should be a little bit better, I think. Um, given not not better, I shouldn't say better. It has matchups that could end up being really good bar burners. So if you guys tune in on Showtime for the May twenty first card as well for the Belter card, um, but it, this card here, there was fights I said that lived up to potential. This fight here was one of those shocking ones, the ones that like man had all the drama that you would want in a fight, and it was just great TV. 
And if you're sitting at home, you were on the edge of your couch the whole damn time. Like, oh, shit, he's almost got him out of there. Oh, shit, he's got him out of there. And then all of a sudden, boom, oh, shit, AJ's rock. He's on the ground. What's going on? And he jumps on the neck. And I'm thinking to myself, AJ loses most of his fights by rear naked choke. This is not yeah. good. Like, I was thinking to myself, this is crazy. All but one. Yeah, you know? And so it's like, damn. So there was a lot of things. That, there was all the drama that was in there. You know, uh, it was crazy. I mean, who? how did you score the first round, given that part? Oh, the first round went to Gugu. Yeah. No doubt about it. And he, he ended up, you know, he almost had AJ out of there. And and one of the things, you know, when we talk about and you're looking at uh, fighters, when a guy is hurt, there's certain things you want to see out of him. And especially in MMA, hey, if you can get the, those hands clinched on that guy and suck him in close and hold on to him, great. Okay? I know it's not what the fans want to see, but as the official inside, you're going – you're thinking, you're doing the smart thing, and you're giving your, your time, yourself time to recuperate mm-hmm. from something that hurts you. That's smart. The other thing that you'll say, okay, I'll also take you know big movement. You're going to get on your horse, get on that bike, and you start circling and getting yourself away from your opponent. Great. What you don't want to see is a guy that sets his feet, starts to duck his head, and starts swinging hard because that's the guy that's going to end up unconscious. Yeah. And so – what you saw out of Anthony, even though he got hurt, and yeah, he gave his back, but as soon as he was able to get to a position that he could just slow the fight down, he did, which showed a lot of veteran experience because Anthony's not been hurt by a whole lot of people in his career. And uh, it, like you said, I think all of his fights, except for one, he lost by submission, mostly rear naked choke, and the one that he lost was he got poked in the eye where a guy stuffed his finger, you know, second knuckle deep into his eye. Yeah. And I don't care who you are. It was, it, the fight was not called right. He should never have lost it. Mm-hmm. But at the time, and as your whole thing with commissions go, they didn't change it. So it was Kevin Burns. But uh, it's, you know, I was very impressed with the way that AJ was smart enough to keep, you know, get to a position where, yeah, I got him down. I'm not going. To, I'm just going to try to slow this thing. I'm going to hold on to him. I'm going to try to get myself back. That's a smart veteran move. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. I'm just. I'm glad he's. Uh, he's back. Uh, yep. he's, he's got a tough task ahead. Well, that's okay. Right that's now. my question for you. All right. Now. You're worried about him in this fight coming back four years off. All this stuff. Now he's fighting Nemkov. What do you think? I know he's your friend. I know I'm putting you on the spot. No, you you are. You are. <laughs> I am. I am. Um, he's not going to beat Nemkov with that performance. No. But he's but get better. That, that being said, he doesn't need to get better. He just needs to get back into the routine of relaxation. If he does that, I think that he can beat him. Like we just, you just can't count him out. You saw right oh. there, Nemkov finishes that rear naked choke. That's the thing. That's the difference. You get rocked and he's able to jump on your back like that, it's over. And Nemkov also is he's phenomenal on the ground. Top position, chokes, arm, all those things, he's gonna be on there. So do I think he's got a chance of beating Rumble? Yeah, but can he get Rumble down? I don't know. I don't know if he can get Rumble down. That's one. Two is he can stand with Rumble for a little bit. He can, but can he take Rumble's shot? That's the other thing. Like as the fight goes on, we saw Rumble's power is not gonna go away just because he got in trouble. Nope. It's gonna still be there. Nemkov's got to make it a dirty, grimy fight. You know, I, I just don't, I hope Nemkov doesn't look at this fight and go like, oh, I've got it now. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think he needs to make it a dirty, grimy fight. In fact, I think he wants to stay away from that dirty, grimy fight with AJ. You think I think so? he wants to make it. Yeah, I honestly think you you want to make it a very clean, tactical fight. Stay in certain positions, move in certain directions away from AJ's power. Stay, watch that. He's really good with his left leg kick. Either whether he's in the southpaw position, he's just bringing it straight up, or he switch kicks from an orthodox. He's got certain tools, but he relies on those tools. And so if I can keep the fight at a range and come in, step in, and step out in the right direction, I might want to, I want, I think I want to be in a tactical. I don't want to get into a firefight inside with him. Yeah. I I think you got, what you got to do is you got to press agent of the fence the first two rounds. Just make it grimy. Try to get the takedowns. That, and and this, then you get into the third, fourth, and fifth round. Because you want to try to get his power to slow down. You want to try to get the pop in Diminish his it. to slow down, yeah. And him being away, no matter how much he's been training, he looked phenomenal. I think he looked better now in terms of his physique. Looked oh. better now than when he left the sport. He looked healthier now. Yes, he did. You know, He I think looked away really good. Healthy. I think the time away made him healthy. Yeah. You know, he just It was a t- time for him to decompress, get rid of all the stress of being a top fighter and you know, and uh, and just come back in and be like, hey, I'm in a new organization, new start, new beginnings, and uh, go out there. But, man, what a way to start. What a yeah, way to start. It was. You know, and so, but him and Emkoff, it's it's kind of the fight that I think everyone was hoping to see. You know, I, mean, I don't think they would have tossed it up between, you know, Yoel and him at Rumble, but I think I think most people want to see Rumble and him fight, and I think it's going to be a great fight. Nemkov just got to keep his chin tucked. Oh, yeah. And have his chin down. But I think the activity, I think I'm going to give the grappling aspect and the wrestling aspect to, to Nemkov yeah. in this fight. You know, it's just a matter of can he avoid from getting clipped heavy in the, by the third round, fourth round. That's the thing. He, in the first three rounds, I think I'm going to give it almost all to AJ. You know, if, if AJ's able to keep the distance and touch him and touch him, I think AJ can win. He's going to make Nemkov respect him a lot more. But I think Nemkov's going to come in with a little bit better of a game plan in terms of press him to the fence, make it grimy, slow him down, wrestle him a little bit. I think that style is going to happen. So we'll see. I think AJ's matured a lot, though. He's going to have to, I think he's going to have to mature a lot from this fight to his next fight with Nemkov to get the win. Yep. It's going to be fun. All right. Let's go to the main event. You got Juan Archuleta versus uh, Sergio Pettis. Talk to me, baby. Talk to me, Goose. Um, I, I, I talked to Juan a little bit afterwards, and, you know, and he, th- he, th- he was kind of talking like he thought he won. And I, there was not a moment there where I thought he won. Um, I had him. Win, that, I had him in the second round. The rest of the fight, I'm I not sure if I had him win in the second or the third round. I had one of the one of the two. I had, I can't remember. But one of the judges had him win in the third, I believe. Yeah, he um, he told me he broke his foot. He goes, that really caused me a problem. He goes, I broke my foot in the first round. He goes, mm-hmm. and it, it really changed my ability to move and to to use angles the way I wanted to. He goes, that created a problem because yeah, I've known Juan for long time he's just a good person and uh he you know i got a text from him saying you know four to one john right and, yeah. I, said, and, I, and I was I, i'm always honest with him i said yeah i go look the rounds were close but mm-hmm. he always ended up with the better harder cleaner shots i said his counter started to take the fight over i go and you weren't able to stop that and i said but you know i said it was a great performance by both of you you, you fought your ass off I go, and you're going to be back. I said, it's just a matter of you weren't able to get the wrestling didn't work for you. I said, and the, you know, the counter, the counter striking that he was able to land 
it was the cleanest striking of the fight. So, and it's tough, man. When, when, when you put everything out there, you give it your all, you know, your heart, you know, is out there for everyone to see. It's a, it's a rough loss, especially when, you know, he didn't put you away. And I don't think, I don't think either of these guys were going to put the other away. They're both really top light fighters and it's tough to put a guy that's that good away but Pettis did exactly what he was supposed to do. I do believe that he took that blueprint that Pitbull used against Juan as far as not following that movement, staying pretty controlled and staying in space. And when he entered a certain space, that's when I would react or I would let him throw his shots and take a little slip and then counter strike. That's what Pitbull did to him. And and Pettis did the same thing. So, yeah. Yeah, the the key to me was that when Juan did get a takedown, he wasn't able to control it. And then when he was trying to get in, that Sergio was able to get his fight for his underhook back. There was moments where Juan actually slipped and got to the back, but still wasn't able to get the takedown. Yeah. And so there's just the tra- there was just so many transitions where Pettis was winning the exchange. He was slightly ahead in almost everything. And that's why I was giving the rounds more to Pettis. Yeah. I had it four one also, and it was it was I gave I gave Juan the second round. I probably would have given Juan the first, except that last exchange where he ended up in Mount Pettis did. So, but even the first round was very close. I thought you could have possibly given Juan the fifth also because that takedown, mm-hmm. it, dude, it had a huge impact. That was a beautiful takedown. That was. But it was the fact that he wasn't able to do anything really with it, and then Pettis just ended up having the cleaner striking throughout, which kind of overcame that huge takedown and what Juan was able to do. But I can understand someone looking saying the fifth round too. Yeah. I think what we're going to see now, like I said, we talked about a little bit earlier, I want to see Stotts and Juan Archuleta fight. That'd be a good fight. That's a great great matchup. A very similar fight to this one probably. Very action-packed and go get it. And then you're going to see Magomed Magomedov probably fight Pettis for the title next. And then... um, you know, you've got all the other guys that are in that 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 area there. You got James Gallagher versus Patchy Mix, possibly. That's one they need to put back together. Yeah, they're gonna put that together, I think. You know, and then you've got all the other guys that are in that bracket. But overall, look, the the prelims, we had a couple good fights in the prelims. They didn't live up to the hype that I thought they would. You know, there were some good ones. They were, you know, the the Campbell and Corrales fight did better than I thought it was because it was oh. a little bit of back and forth. A little bit of craziness. Yeah, a little bit of craziness. And then even the post-fight interview with Campbell was very crazy. It's <laughs> fucking nut. But uh, overall, it was it was, it was was a good night of fights. And the main card, to me, stole the show, and I'm glad. Normally, sometimes it's the other way around, and we're, like, pulling our hair out. But uh, for us, it was it was a good night of fights. I was very happy and pleased. May twenty first can be a stack card as well, so I'm pumped for that for that fight card as well. Oh baby! All right. Um, okay, go to mybookie.ag. Use the promo code Wayne in, and they'll give you some extra cash. And you guys can go ahead and bet on a lot of things. You know, you got now. You got baseball is back now. You got baseball is back. I think the basketball playoffs can hockey playoffs are coming up here shortly. Coming up. In the next couple of weeks, so make sure you guys put some bets in on those as well. They offer all of these things. Um, what else do we have? We've got uh, what's up with this? You have the UFC is this weekend. Is there anything else that was this weekend? This coming Bellator is not till next week. Uh, next week, you so could have been betting on the Canelo versus Saunders fight. There you go. Could have been betting on that Boxing fight as well. There. So, John, outside of MMA, though, we had the Canelo Alvarez fight versus Billy Joe Saunders. What'd you think? The boxing match. 
you know, I got to see just the last little bit of it. I didn't get to see the very first couple of rounds because I was watching the UFC and everything. But I will tell you, it was exactly what I thought as far as Canelo is just at this time. People talk about him. Oh, he's small. He's not small. He's short. There's a difference. Okay. And when you talk about his ability to step inside, land power, because the guy's got power, and to defend, just look at his head movement inside and where he puts his hands and where he puts his head, and you're watching guys trying to touch him, and they're not. Everything slips by, little slot, you know, a little touch here, a little touch there, but nothing on it because it's grazing by him. He's just right now, he's head and shoulders above everybody else in boxing as far as his ability to deliver power, to not get hit, to fight at a range that he wants, to control the pace and the location of the fight. I don't care who you put him against. Yeah, you put him against, you know, Tyson Fury, he's in trouble. Okay, just based on size. Okay, but. When you're talking about, you know, a guy coming down a certain weight class and him going up, he's just the better boxer, and that's why he's getting wins. He's phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, there's fights that you've I've always wanted to see, and then him versus Andre Ward would be the freaking fight. And I know that when Ward left the sport, he was still fighting at 54. Now he's gone up in weight. You know, he's fighting a little bit heavier now, Canelo is, but... uh Andre Ward was fighting at 168. No, 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 no. Let's take let, let let's just cut that right out. That's fine. That that fight would work because Canelo has fought Kovalev, who was the light heavyweight champion, who Andre Ward took the championship from, and then Andre Ward fought him again, and then retired. Canelo fought Kovalev too. So no, no. I'm saying when I'm saying when Andre Ward left the sport, Canelo was still fighting at 54. Yeah, that's true. I, well, I'm saying like right now, I understand that portion of it all, but I'm saying like if times were a little bit closer together, that yeah, would have been. The one that I and I thought Mayweather did a great job of fighting him while he was still young. Oh, still very, smart. you know, brilliant. I mean, he just either Mayweather's great at fighting you when you're old and retired or should be retired, or fighting you when you're too super young. When you're when you're really good, you're coming up, but yeah. I see I see little holes that I can take advantage of. Let me get him when he's young and he doesn't know. Well, not only that, but then now you're you're someone like Canelo fighting a, a Floyd Mayweather, who at the time was at the peak of his career. Yeah. So that was just that that also adds a lot more pressure for you being being young. But overall, right now, this Canelo, if I was to watch it, I would love to see him fight a, a Mayweather again. But I know Mayweather's what forty one now, I believe. Not gonna that ain't do gonna that. happen. There's no way that he's gonna do it. Mayweather would never do it. And then the other thing is, well, like I, like the Andre Ward. How old is Andre Ward? Andre's not old. He's not old. And no, I would no, no, love no. to see him come back. But it's just, I want to say Andre's got to be, what, 35, 36 now? 37. 37, 37. okay. Yeah. Getting up there more. I know. It just Undefeated, sad. though. No, look, oh. Let's take a look at it. Andre Ward never lost. He's From the time he was 14 years of age, never lost. Damn, Went through the Olympics, gold medal, never lost. All of his amateur career, once you know that he had that loss when he was like 14. That was the last one. From that point, did not lose. Pros did not lose. Thirty-two and zero. That dude and he was killers. And what the thing about Andre Ward that people don't get is, that this is a guy that could. And, and I'm Canelo now is the same thing. He could fight at range. He could stick on the outside, stick and move. He could fight in a phone booth. You got into a, putting your foot into a tire with Andre Ward. 
you were going to get eaten up. That dude could fight in a phone booth. He could fight at range. He could fight anywhere. He was slick. He was smart. He understood that boxing was not about how tough you were. Boxing was about how many times I could hit you without you hitting me. Yeah, that was one of the biggest things his dad had told his coach. He walked in and talked to his coach and said, look, I want my son to be able to box, but I don't want him to get hit. That was the biggest. <laughs> okay. Smart. So yeah, a, lot what, Virgil. a lot of what Virgil did with him was basically making sure that, he, that Andre didn't get hit. A lot of the head movement, a lot of the movement, and sticking and punching off of that movement. Yep. And and I, Andre Ward used to come in and spar with a kid that I used to, to train, Ricardo Cortez, in boxing. I used to train him, not not for boxing itself, but I was his conditioning, helping with his conditioning. And Andre was nasty good. Oh. You know, and Ricardo used he fought um, – he fought Kirkland. He fought Angulo. He fought. He fought a bunch of top guys, you know, and they had some great fights. But Andre Warwin hit. We would come in and spar with him. It was just. It was just nasty. Cortez would get so frustrated and he was so mad he couldn't hit him, and to the point where it got. Sometimes it, it turned into like, let's take the gloves off and let's really fight. Uh, <laughs> hey, 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 hey. You know, but uh, Andre, great guy, man. Great yeah. guy, loved working with him. Even afterwards, like, hey, brother, I, like he would he would tell you know Ricardo, like, hey, you know this this is what I this you know this is how I fight. This is that's the point of me fighting the way I fight is making you miss and making you pay. And it's frustrating if you know you're a top boxer, and this yeah. this is the guy at your level because Andre was fighting at 160 at the time, and so was Ricardo. He's like, well, he I, may be in your weight class, but they're you're just not on his level. Not anywhere near. It wasn't even close. And so, um, yeah. It was it's it's tough for I think a lot of fighters think. But look, that's the fight. If I was to say like, hey, if I wanted to see a fight in boxing right now, it would be that fight. It'd be Andre Ward versus Canelo Alvarez. And yeah, a lot of people I, I, forgot about Andre Ward. Yeah, well, everyone's forgotten about Andre, but it's you know, Andre was doing the contender series, and I was talking to him there for a long time, and he was just he's such a good guy. You know, and we were we were talking at the time about you know the crossovers of you know guys, and because he you know he trained with the Diaz brothers and he would bring the Diaz brothers in because not because, Oh my God, you know, I can't find sparring. He could find sparring partners, but they were odd. They were different. They, they threw things from weird angles and he liked that. He liked to see someone that didn't have that natural, normal boxing style where everything was this tight thing and they would wing shots. And he wanted to be in there with guys that could wing shots and throw from weird angles so he was used to seeing that too. He's just a guy that was smart in the way he approached the game. Well, hopefully we see him start fighting some. Uh, so I don't know who their thing is. I don't know Canelo. Yeah, I don't who know are you going to put him there. against? Really? Nice. Let's be honest. I think the the Andre Ward I would have loved to have seen, especially in Andre's prime. And uh, I don't. I don't want to see Andre come back and do that. I yeah. want him to be happy in retirement. He's got a great life. He's got a great family. Continue on doing what you're doing, brother. John, but, big money fight, though. And it is a big money fight. It would be a huge money fight for him, and he deserves it because he didn't get those big money fights until right at the end of his career. Yeah, and I think that that fight right there, I think would, I would say it'd break probably the two million mark on the pay per views if they. Do. Oh, I'd buy it. Yeah, I'd buy it for sure. I'd buy it right now. Just I'll, pay, I'll of, pay for it now so they can realize what they have coming up. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I want to say how many prepaids can we get? How many prepaids can we get? All right, what else you got for us, Dave? In the um, news, baby, in the news. Uh, this whole thing around. Uh, oh, Jesus, are you kidding me? 
and Joshua Fabia. Uh, so, you know, just since we talked about it last week, um, Diego did that interview with Anthony Smith where he talked about, you know, he thinks the UFC is after him and potentially got a hit out on him. And uh, he talked about, um, you know, he can't get a meeting with Dana White, but Dana White did an interview on Friday and said Diego can call him anytime. Um, and then, you know, now there's Joshua Fabia accusing Dana White of sleeping with uh, female fighters. There's also that training video where he was punching Diego in the head. Um, so there's all, like, a whole bunch of things around it. And so, um, you know, just, just your thoughts on kind of w- where we're at with it. Right Joshua Fabia is the fucking gift that just keeps on giving to this. <laughs> the media is soaking all of this shit up. Uh, this guy's a fucking idiot, man. He's a like, tool. Just dumb. Just like... Well, he's getting he's getting he's what he wants. Yeah, he's not yeah. dumb. I'm not gonna say he's dumb. He's not dumb. You're right. Okay, he's but the not fact a dumb is, guy. the media is buying into it. Just just shut him down. Just stop, stop stop interviewing him. Yeah. Don't care Why? what he has to say. It's real simple. If you're gonna talk to Diego, talk to Diego. This guy comes and sits down. And says, "Excuse me, I I didn't ask for you to come into this." And when he says, "Well, I'm gonna be here," good. We're done. See you later. Get the fuck out. There's no reason. To allow this guy to have any control over anything, you know, people would say what they want. You know, Matt Sarah's had his moments in everything, and I love Matt. But did you see the 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 thing that he did when they were in Abu Dhabi? This guy came up to Matt. And he goes, you know, I don't know you. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like that's the way it should be. You know, no one needs to know you because you're nobody. You haven't done anything. It's it goes back to the same thing. He's you know. All you did was take a guy that was an incredibly tough, gritty, nasty fighter, a guy that made a career off of being that guy, and it was the only way he was going to make it, and you made it so where he's lost every fight that you've ever been in his corner, except for one where he got a DQ win. Yeah. So, yeah, you're, you're, you're just special with what you do. Yeah, other fighters should really start coming in. You found the right guy, someone that believes in you. I, I'm sorry that Diego, you know, has that belief in you because from what I see on the outside, and I could be wrong, I've been wrong before, but what you give doesn't merit the respect that that guy gives you. Yeah, you, this guy's going to, he's just ran into that whole thing. Remember the coach for Ronda Rousey? Yeah. What was Edmund. His name? Uh, Edmund. Edmund. He kind of ran into that. Like it's it's gonna be like where now fighters don't really want to talk. They'll never talk to you. They'll never want to train with you. But I think Edmund's working now with somebody again. Edmund's working. He's got you know, you know, uh, Shabazian. Oh, it doesn't. He's he's the trainer for Shabazian and stuff. And but he ran you know, into a little I, rough patch there as well during the Ronda. Rock. Oh, he he ran into a lot of rough patches. Yeah, yeah. they were making memes about head movement, head movement. Well, uh, he, thing, he couldn't win. Well, here's the thing though, like. When the trainers start taking up some of the limelight, Bingo. you got to get rid of them or you need to have a sit down talk with them. This is not about you. And the more you say, the more pressure it puts on me as a fighter. There you go. Stay out of it. Don't yeah. talk. Just talk. If you're going to say anything. Yes, of course. My fighter's the best. Da, 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 they're great. My fighter can win everywhere. That's, that's, that's the point. You're the trainer. That's it. Don't get into anything else. It's not your place. It's not your job. Like we've been working these techniques. That's what I love a little bit about. Like uh, the fighters, the coaches that have been around for a long time, you know, Greg Jackson's Bob Cook is brilliant at it. He says this much. <laughs> yeah, he had a good camp. Feels great. Ready to go. Like, uh-huh. that's it. That's all you got to say. 
Like it's not about you and it will never, it will never be about you. That's the well, other it, it will be about you to a point. It will. Okay. Because when your fighter continues to do well, people are going to start to look and go, wow, what is going on here that made this fighter so good? Well, it's this guy and, the, and, and you're going to get some, you'll get some shine. Okay. Take that shine, understand what it's you know going to do for you, but put everything back into, Hey, I don't step inside of the cage. My guy does. If I can do things in the back, in the gym that help him, you know, do his thing when he's out here, that's all that I care about. Yeah. That's the way, that's where it ends. Yeah. They like there's, there's fighter like Trevor Whitman, Henry hoofed. Very rarely do you hear them say a whole lot. Eric Nitzik. Eric Nixon, exactly, perfect example. Perfect very rarely do you hear them say a lot. You know, they're very quiet. They're very humble. They talk about their guys or their, and their female fighters. Yep. How great they are, and then that's it. That's all. Let the let the fighting do the talking. You know, let your fighter do all the talking with all the things that you guys have been working on. And if the fighter if it, if the fighter has success, it, it like you said, it shines back onto them. How much do you hear Mike Brown say? Fuck, I can't, I can't even pull words out of that guy. <laughs> like, hey, what's up, buddy? He's like, hey, Josh, nice to see you. That's, hey, Josh, that's how you doing? Conversation. Hey, brother, like, things are good. Yeah, great. Camp was great. Like, it, you're like, I'm trying to pull things out of you so I can talk about your fighter. That's yep. it. He's he's brilliant, man. Mike yep. Brown. And I, I love Mike Brown. Mike Brown's a perfect example. He's a, he's, yeah, exactly. A classic example of someone that just lets his fighters, the, the work that his fighters do, and let that be the talking. You know, and the coaches will, they'll, like you said, they'll get their shine, but they'll sure. get it based off of their fighters' performances. Yeah, but see, they get their shine based upon just what you said, their fighters' performances, and they deserve that. But when you are getting something based upon, well, it's obviously not what you're doing for your fighter. Your fighter hasn't won with you. So what's the real reason that you're getting anything here? Oh, you're a weirdo. You're a guy that is creating problems. You're the one trying to make things all of a sudden seem like there's something going on. You're, you're basically the conspiracy theorist. Congratulations. Go step outside and walk off a short dock. John, these guys are everywhere. Yeah, that's true. Look at these are the same guys that have that fucking, that, these are the same guys slipping into your DMS, <laughs> <laughs> but the, these, these guys, they, there's a whole, uh, Instagram page dedicated to these fucking knuckleheads. What is it called? It's called the Kung Fu. I've never the, seen that. No, no, no. It's the the dojo. The what is it called? Oh, McDojo. McDojo. He, oh, he's awesome. I've he's done gotta, stuff. He's got to be a McDojo owner. That's what oh, he yeah. is. This guy's one of those guys. He's got the death. Like what uh, Cowboy was talking about. Like he said something about the death punch. Oh Jesus! Remember? And then these. Oh, trust me. I got called on that. I had the. I actually look at this thing. All right, I'm on a and punch him in the head what are you doing? <laughs> he's he's got diego upside down and he's hitting him with little tiny shots in the face he's kicking you know and you can tell his his incredible style look at that kick josh look at that oh wow that's really good this is on the mcdojo channel okay there you because go. it's whack yeah it's absolutely whack and i don't know what you know, Diego is doing by allowing him to do that. But, you know, you you see some of these people and you go, you're just a fraud. 
But how did how did it get to this point though, John, where Diego's allowing this? Yeah. Isn't this guy's thing the, the the something the school of self awareness or something like this? This guy is the least aware some bitch I've ever seen. It's but but how did it get to this point? How did it get to the point that Diego was allowing this guy? It's to- just well, you know, it's what whatever Diego saw in him, you know, and I I don't know. I'm, it's none of my business, but. The fact that Diego has some clout with media and that people want to know about him, and this guy is tied to him. He, you know, he just gets drug along. For the first time in my life, I'm going to say I'm 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 uh, I'm embarrassed that my name is Joshua. <laughs> I didn't, I'm embarrassed. Damn, I, I wish I had picked that up. Shit, man. All those Joshes, man, they're all whack. This fucking guy just ruined it, <laughs> <laughs> motherfucker. Some bitch uh, using my name, man. What else you got? Um, the Floyd Mayweather and Logan Paul had their presser this past week, and uh, oh my god! And Jake Paul decides he posts on Instagram that he's going to steal Floyd's hat, and then he approaches him, and he did in a post-fight presser, and he um tries to yank his hat and run. You, you know, and he didn't try to yank his hat. You know what he, he did? did yank his hat. You know what he did though? Is he stole? He actually stole the limelight from his brother. Oh yes. Yeah. This guy doesn't give a fuck about anybody else but himself. This guy is all about himself. When, like th- This is supposed to be here for fucking his brother against Floyd Mayweather. That'd be like if your brother fucking ran up and did that shit to Ben Askren and stole your limelight. Like, I just... Jake's a piece of shit. Like, when I'm looking at this stuff, I'm like, look, I get it to a point, but uh, he's lucky he didn't get his ass beat. He's real lucky. Well, he, pla- look, he planned the whole thing out. He actually put it out. Yeah, I'm going to steal his hat. And then when he takes the head, he goes, got your hat. And then he put a whole song, a whole song with it of, you know. If you're looking at for marketing, the kid's pretty bright, man. He got how many fucking views off of that one instance. So he's smart about it. Do I think that uh it was the right thing to do? No, it's not the right thing to do. And it's it was childish, but it accomplished exactly what he wanted. Yeah. My my thing is I wonder if like he's a, a professional uh, troll, Josh. I know. He's I mean, high level professional troll. And he's like like probably one or two steps below podcast Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Trolling department. Oh man. It's uh, it's 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 sad to see. It's really sad to see that this is kind of where boxing is headed. And and to think that these guys are making a lot of money. <laughs> it's embarrassing. He's got uh, a tattoo, got your hat now. Oh my god. That's great. I'm stupid. <laughs> so stupid. I mean, here's the thing. I'm surprised Floyd's security let him like get away with this. Well, it's because of who he was. Yeah. It's because, you know, they wouldn't have let somebody that was just a, a, a schmo that they didn't know up like that. And it's because of the fact that it was Jake Paul. I'll let him get close and stuff. And then, you know, as soon as he grabs the hat, he starts to go, they're grabbing him and stuff. But, you know, they're, they're kind of stuck in that that spot as far as I got to let this guy go. This is somebody that, you know, my my guy won't, you know, is wanting to jabber with. Okay. But, yeah. Hey, it got, it, it actually, I'm just going to be honest, it got people's attention on that whole Look thing. Look at him, as he's far covering as, his face. He's so scared. He just, oh, he did this to himself. But the, the funniest part was 
he's oh got your hat and he runs away like a little kid right he runs away i got your hat then he runs away and then like all the commotion breaks out and he gets free for a second and he's like he goes yeah let's go but his voice is cracking like you oh, know yeah, because- yeah let, let's go let's go let's go go let's go guys yeah like and he's out there by himself with like one security guard blocking him and then the whole thing rushes back over towards him he takes off running again i'm just like man <laughs> But let let me let's talk real quick though about Floyd Mayweather. He looks like a fucking garbage man. I mean, like he looks like he looks like he's out there on what's the street there in LA? What's the street in LA where all ten city Skid Row? Oh yeah, Fifth and Wall. Jeez, man! Like his beard, his hair, his. Why can't the man have a beard and hair? He looks old. Well, he may may make him look a little older. Yeah, it's all scraggly and. Come on, Floyd looks good. Floyd's in, I have never once, and I've been around Floyd multiple times. That dude's always in shape. Yeah. He's always, you know, got clean stuff on, man. You know, he's I don't think he wears the same outfit twice. You, know? you got that much money, shouldn't he probably doesn't have to? <laughs> Jeez. I'm telling you, man. He's he uh but yeah, he, he does look different. When's the last time you saw him with a head of hair? Yeah. Just don't see it, but jeez, man. The, yeah. You know this this whole thing with you know Logan, you know, and, and people, you know, and, and they're trying to magnify this the difference in size as far as <laughs> Logan being really big. Let me just make this as as clear as I can for everyone. Logan will not touch Floyd with anything that Floyd doesn't allow to touch him. That's just the facts. This is, you can put it together. You want to watch it. I don't care. It's all fine. He will not touch him with anything that Floyd doesn't want to be touched by. Floyd might, you know, let him throw and, you know, take it on purpose and sit there and, you know, say, yeah, or he's going to make him miss unmercifully for the entire time until he decides to just snap his head back and pop him to the point where, all of a sudden, it's over. It's this is not even close. Yeah, neither one of them. <laughs> neither one of them. I think. I think. I think Floyd should do it. Both of them in one night. And I do. And I, I'm gonna. I do think that Logan Paul is a good athlete. I think mm-hmm. the kid has got. You know, he's got athletic ability. I've watched him do other things. I think he can box fairly well. But there's a difference between boxing fairly well and boxing Floyd Mayweather. Okay. Floyd Mayweather has forgotten 10 times the amount of boxing that Logan Paul has learned. Yeah. He's forgotten it because it was useless to him, whatever it was. That, I mean, it's it's incomprehensible, the difference in levels here. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. I, 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 it's, I don't like the sideshow shit, you know, because, I mean, just God forbid that one of them catches Floyd with something and then I got to fucking live with that. That ain't happening. Don't ever say never, buddy. Never. <laughs> I'm telling you, never. You could have these guys fight every day for a year, 365 fights, and Floyd only gets hit by what he wants to have land on him by Logan Paul. But that's what, that's what a lot of people said about well, the Conor McGregor well, thing. No, that, but again, I, Floyd let Conor stay in that fight the way he did. He carried that fight. Yeah. No matter what, and I, you know, I'm a, I'm a Conor McGregor fan. I want to see him do well. 
Floyd just carried him in that fight. He gave him the first rounds. And it's a matter of just think of what you were just talking about with the guy that you were helped with, you know, physical conditioning that was the boxer against against, uh, Ward. What was he saying? I can't touch him. Yeah. And that's a professional boxer. Mm -hmm. A guy that's good. Yeah, he's really good. That's the whole point. People don't get it, man. You know, you've sparred with guys. I've sparred with guys that were professional boxers. It's so frustrating. You think that you can land something, and you don't land dick. And every time that he wants to, he fucking lights you up. And he's not trying to light you up. He's just touching you. Yeah. It's his game. It's his world. I just look at the size, and I only get concerned because, like, if you get, if like, with Connor, Connor was able to hit Floyd with a couple good shots, uppercut, a couple good, you know, straight lefts. If a big one of these big guys at two hundred pounds, you know, or one ninety, whatever it is that they were contract weighted at, because I think I don't think Logan can weigh over one ninety. Can't weigh over one ninety, and uh, which is a big cut for him because he walks around about two fifteen. Well, Mayweather has to weigh one sixty. Yeah, above one sixty. Above one sixty. Yeah, so it's cr- it's crazy that the commissions are allowing this though. The big weight discrepancy. Because remember, remember when Frank Shamrock fought Tito Ortiz, yeah. Frank it couldn't weigh like ten pounds less or something like that. So Frank was weighing in with no, no, no. Frank, Frank, yeah, you know, it was it was a two hundred pound, and Frank didn't weigh two hundred pounds. There was two weight classes at yeah. the time. There was above two hundred and below two hundred. Frank was in that right. You know, he had to weigh in at two hundred pounds, and so he was putting quarters in his pockets. Yeah. We may see Floyd putting quarters in his pocket. You may see Floyd putting quarters in his pocket. All right, what else you got for us, Dave? Uh, last piece of news is uh, Usman coming out and saying that he is open to move up to 185 um, if Vittori beats Adesanya, but he won't fight, is he? Can, that, that's, can I ask? Uh, it's smart that he doesn't want to fight, is he? Because I don't think... I don't it's think, also uh, a Nigerian thing. That's what I wanted to know. Yeah, that's why. They're both from Nigeria. He looks at him like, you know, this is one of my, you know, brothers in the sport. This is a guy that comes from the same country. You know, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, it doesn't bother me at all. Just fight. Yeah. Well, yeah. okay. Fight. Go back. Go back to old time in MMA, and it was Brazilians didn't want to fight Brazilians. Remember that? Wow, things have changed. Oh yes. I think it's because they're the first. You know, yeah. like the, they're the first. And that's why. So they want yeah. to make sure that the each each group. Like, is- why am I going to fight my countrymen when you know I can fight everybody else? That's okay, cool. I guess yeah. But it'll go away. But that's the fight that people would like to see. Yeah. That's the thing, wrestler versus stand-up guy. You know, that's the fight. Anyways, if I if you want look, if you want to make a lot of money, but like look that that group of fighters the through Ali they it's not it is about the money but it's not about the money it's there's that little bit of that loyalty position where it's like but Izzy's not with Ali no so, Izzy's not with Ali but. yeah Ali's with or Izzy's with uh Paradigm I believe yep so yeah I just but I mean you know Usman doing it because like you said through the countryman thing I want to but if you're going to sell big time pay-per-views that's the fight to do it you want to sell a big time pay per view, Usman or Izzy like that? That's the fight to do it. Uh, I think I think Izzy's got. Let's be honest, he's got three more fights within the middleweight division. And he's got he's got this one with Vittori, if you want to say he's got the, another. He's got a rematch with Whitaker. 
that people, you know, I think enough people are going to want to see. And I think you, you can even say that he's got the uh, Darren Till, maybe even, you know, the Cannoneer, but the Darren Till would be something that people would want to see. And past that, I don't, there's not a whole lot there for him. Somebody else might make their way back up in there. So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. Well, anyways, I mean, that's the fight that I want to see if it's big pay-per-view. I mean, that'd be a big pay-per-view for the two of them. What else you got? Is that on news? That's it. That's it on news. All right. Wow. Well, hey, John, I know you're on the East Coast, and uh, it's already kind of late for you. So enjoy the rest of your day, and happy Mother's Day as well to your lovely Miss McCarthy. And I want to thank everyone for tuning in. Also, go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash in. Use the promo code and still. And guess what, guys? We have a Memorial Day shirt up there. It, go ahead. I forgot. We actually did a podcast with Morning Combat. Oh, wow. Let's talk about yes. that. Let's it. talk about that real quick. Okay. Let's talk about it real quick. Well, let's talk okay. about our phenomenal-looking Memorial Day shirt. Podcast Dave, you did an outstanding job with that. I like that one. Did you just hit your fucking head on the microphone? You yeah. did, huh? <laughs> is that the, is that the, the bow? The little like bow. Oh, nice bow. Boink. To take a bow and he just I hit his head it. on the microphone. That was great. Um, yeah, it's pretty. I like it. Great job. He was just going to make it all green. I'm like, what are you doing? No, no, no. Camouflage is great. The camo in there, buddy. Like, I like that. You got to go camo. I mean, but he and is. And it's, is, it's got, um, I like the Memorial Day. Thank you. Yes, and that was awesome. The thing. All the people out there yeah. have given everything. Thank you. So, you guys, pick that up. Use the promo code WayneIn. So, it's prowrestlingtees.com slash WayneIn. Use the promo code WayneIn. Wrong promo code? Sorry. God. Use the promo code. Wow. And still. How many times did you get hit in the head? Still. Yeah, actually quite a bit. Towards <laughs> the end of my career. Yeah. My career. Oh, man. That's because yeah, guys let you get headbutted. Use the promo code and still. But yeah, it's a great shirt, Dave. I gotta, I gotta tip my head to you, buddy. Good job. Yep. Nice, work. nice job. Get it in green and sand as well. Oh yeah, you can get it in green and sand. Also, we have it in a sand color, black as well, and then in a green color. So you have a black shirt, a green shirt, or a sand colored shirt. Nice stuff. Available. Well, limited edition though, up until Memorial Day. I wonder what color I'll get. Hmm. Something to think about. I might go with the sand. <laughs> I might go with the sand. You're gonna go with black, of course. Of course. Jeez. Jeez, come on, buddy. Simple. My life is very simple. <laughs> I'm going to go in the sand and probably change it up a little bit. All right. Um, let's talk about the morning combat. All right. Let's go. We did a I... thing with Brian Campbell and Luke Thomas. I actually enjoyed it. Fun. And then we all of their little fans were very butthurt. They were very upset. They thought that, <laughs> they thought that I took over the interview and that I was like, trying to sabotage them, which was you not. You were rude. I was rude. You're no, a bully. A lot of it started off air before we started, and Luke was giving BC uh, some pro, some like head, you know, uh, what do you want to call it? Give him a hard time. Give him some snap. Yeah, and I, you know, and I jumped in on it. This was all before off camera, and Brian Campbell is great. He has a great sense of humor. Obviously, yes. put up with you know not just me, but also Luke, <laughs> and and you know, of course, you. But I mean, we had it was a great. We had a great time. Great experience. Good to hash it up. Great to talk about it. You know, I, I look, I like to give a lot of people a hard time, and I give John a hard no, time. You like, like to give everyone. Yes, I don't discriminate when it comes to that stuff. You guys <laughs> all need to understand that. Okay. Um, it's meant to be fun. And if I, I, it's funny, I had someone say, like, you know, hey, I used to be a big fan of your guys' podcast. And, you know, then I saw, you know, how mean you got, how mean you were, Josh, to, to BC. 
and I'm not going to follow your podcast anymore. And I was like, I'm okay. Sorry. And I just, I said, I'm sorry to see you go, buddy. I said, Bye. you guys have to remember, like, like we, we see the, we see them around. We know them. Like it's a joking. It's, there's a lot of joking involved. And like, look, you don't want us to get up there and just spout off all these, all these things that majority of the fans don't understand. We got to have fun up there. This is this was the first time for us to join together. I had a great time hanging out with them. It was great. I'm thankful that they had us on. It was fun, man. We had a great time. Nothing, nothing but nothing but great things to say about them. Yeah. First off, I want to say, BC is just a good guy. Yeah, he is. He does a great job at uh, at actually getting us to actually talk about more things that we're that uh, you know we're doing because he he moves it along. But he's just a good guy with a great sense of humor. Luke is a guy super smart, knows you know the ins and outs of the way the sport's gone, and he's been there for a long time. I was talking to him about fights where he was the commentator and I was the referee at times, you know, that were just horribly done as far as judging and stuff. And we we have a good time. This is there is no battle between us and Morning Combat. These guys do a great podcast. We think we do a great podcast, and we think you should listen to all of them. But we have fun, and if we're gonna go on their podcast or if they were going to come on our podcast, come after us. That's fun. That's the best part. And when you say something, and, and I think it was Luke said something about, you know, I think it was about Michael page and that we really started. I was like, you know, are, do you realize how good he is? You know? And, and it, it's just that this is the difference of opinion. And that's what these shows are about is having a conversation where you believe one thing and I believe another. And, Let's talk about it. Let's see. Let's let's see your points. I'll listen to your points, and if you can switch me over, great. If I can switch you over, great. But there is no uh, actual. Uh, yeah, I don't know what to say. Personal dislike or rivalry. Yeah, not at all. I don't. Know, I don't know where people get it, but that's that's their perception. And when they have the perception, it becomes their reality. Yeah. Here's here that take on the MVP part. The uh, the reason why I just said stop. Luke. Yeah, I, yeah, I like that. That was great. Because the reason why I said that is Luke has worked in the media portion of it. Luke has not fought in the cage. Luke has uh, Luke has not been a referee. Luke, sure, he's called some fights, but he hasn't been in the back warming up fighters. He hasn't trained side-by-side side with fighters. He has not rolled with the best guys in the world. He's not boxed and kickboxed with the best guys in the world. He's not sparred with the best guys in the world. I have done that. John has worked and coached and also done a lot of sparring with a lot of great guys and refed all the best fights in the world. I'm not trying to, I'm just simply saying Luke and Brian have a, Mur a media's perspective. And when someone Luke said, do you think MVP is this? this and I was like, stop, we've got to stop that, that, that take on MVP. Needs that scenario. To stop. Yeah. That scenario and that take on him needs to stop. We need to start shaping the argument in, in terms of he's so good that he's making these guys like Derek Anderson. Derek Anderson's good. Really. 17 and three. 17 and three and just phenomenal fought the who's who in the in Bellator you know and he's really good he's tough and so this this the thing is when he came to me with that it was like no look he made him look he made Derek Anderson look like he didn't belong in there and everyone wants to say that now you can't say that Derek Anderson's a can he's not a oh can. no that's what they'll no. say that's what they're gonna say and that's the that's the problem and he, that's wrong look he makes it look easy and that's all when I got into that little portion of it all I have to be the one. And even though we are now considered media because we do this and now we're, we're analysts, I said, but no, I, I t my take is still going to be on the fighter's side, especially if I know the fighter is talented. And MVP is extremely talented. You don't make someone look that bad if you're not that good. 
And that's exactly what MVP is. He's extremely good. He's fast. He's quick. His movement. He has a recipe that people just cannot figure out. They're still dipping their finger in there trying to taste it going, is there walnut in there? Is there vanilla? <laughs> what is in there? Like I have no idea. They're trying to figure out what the ingredients are in that mix. And they don't know. They don't have a recipe for it. They're figuring it out. And that's kind of the that's the that's the hard part. And I had to get at Luke and Brian for that because they are the they are the ones forming that narrative about him. And it's not on not on not not they're not doing it on purpose. They're just continuing to read the tweets and they're trying to read and they and they read all the other media and all the other media say the same thing. And they've got to stop. You've got to start saying he's this good and he just makes people look bad. Yeah. And the one thing that I you know to go to the other side, Bellator has got to give him those big fights. Yeah. They gotta give him the guys that are absolutely the killers of the division put him up against him let Here, him I, just continue to prove how good he is i think the name for him to fight next is lorenz larkin oh i do too yeah. just I, no one, one of two and i would love to see him fight ray daniels but that would not work because yeah. ray doesn't have a whole lot of experience in mma and then people would say oh you gave him you know when ray daniels style and his style would be could be just unbelievable but Maybe it would be bad, but I do think that Lorenz Larkin at 170 and MVP is the fight to put on. Well, here, like what, like what they said was, well, what Luke was saying, like, what about Logan Sturley? And I said, I don't know, because it's one of those fights where, and I had to tell Luke, I said, look, it's one of those fights. If, if MVP can make him hesitant to shoot, which he can with the side yep. to the thigh, with the push, the side kick to the face, the kick up to the top, the long, the long jabs, and all the the movement, he can make Logan Storley look bad, which doesn't benefit us either. If you're trying to build up a young star like Logan Storley, yep. so it doesn't benefit us to have him fight him. The other thing is that he's Logan's coming off of that loss, and he hasn't had a win. Did he have a win since then? No, because he was supposed to fight on uh, Friday, and they pulled the fight because his opponent all of a sudden was sick. Yeah, and so, but my point is, is that it doesn't doesn't build being low MVP being thirty four years old. It doesn't help us build another star in Logan Story, which we think he's going to be, and everything that has been told to us by Stanford MMA as well as the things that we've seen. He's a, a potential star in the making. But a, a Lorenz Larkin, big name, great fight stylistically. It's fun. They're both fast. You know, um, they're both going to stand. They're both going to go out there and try to get it done. I think that's a fight to make. He even called out Jason Jackson. So it's a great fight too. That's a great fight too. But as soon if if they fought, and I'm not saying that Venom Page is going to beat Jason, but if he did and he made it look the same way as he did against Eric, what is everyone going to say? Oh, oh, Jason Jackson, he sucks. Like no, Jason's a stud. Yep. There's no way you can say that. I'm sorry. Yeah. Jason. Jason yeah. should be. I think Jason's probably should be next in line for a title shot after Amosov. You know, I mean, it's, there's fights in there. It's just nasty. He's good. He's real, and I would love MVP and Jason Jackson fight. It's a brilliant fight. Brilliant fight, and that'd be a great fight. Yep. All right, guys. Well, hey, we want to thank you guys for uh, tuning in. Hit the subscribe button uh, on our YouTube channel as well as a little bell because, like, today's show is going to drop a little bit late. I want to wish everyone a happy Mother's Day. Also, go to our iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, all of those platforms, whatever your listening platform for audio is, go ahead and go to those platforms. Hit the subscribe button. If you can, hit it on all of them if you can, and I, we, we would greatly appreciate that as well. Uh, John. I want to just say a very happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there, especially the ones that are taking care of the young ones right now, because you are the ones doing all the hard work. So very happy Mother's Day. If you 
are uh, able to make somebody's Mother's Day better, go do that for them. And the last thing we will say to everyone out there is thanks for listening and see ya.